At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And how are we, lads? It's the day after All Out. It feels like All Out was a few hours ago, or at least it probably was for me, just talking to you guys in the pre-show about being at, a, for the first time in a while, a, a pay-per-view party that I don't think I ended up sleeping until about 8 o'clock this morning. I saw you, uh, Gareth, saying in our, our group chat about uh, having to get up in, like, what was it, like 90 minutes or so, get the, get the kids ready for school, all of that. Are you fair, mate, at, uh, at 10 o'clock the, uh, the night after? I'm surviving. I'm not doing too bad. It was definitely one of those where, like, it was, like, normally you get to that time and then you, you just, you're flagging, you know, if you're, like, sitting up there. But I was absolutely just buzzing, obviously, as obviously we, you know, everybody knows about what happened on the show and, you know, obviously we're going to chat about it and things like that. But I was, like, going what to bed. What was I was going to <laughs> Bray Wyatt turned up as the fiend. Ah, oh, you get it. It was, uh, it was amazing. Um, should have heard the law. Buddy Murphy, <laughs> get in. <laughs> but no, like going to bed at five o'clock and knowing that my alarm was going off at seven, but then like mm-hmm. lying in bed and my brain was just like, fucking hell, that was amazing. And I'm just like going through all the matches in my head and just thinking about the end angle and all that. And then so, so I think I was lying in bed awake for about an hour, an hour. So got, yeah, mm-hmm. probably got an hour, hour and a half sleep. And then I was up making pack lunches and getting the kids off to school and <laughs> getting into work. And so, um, <laughs> but I'm doing all right. I'm a... It's the old AEW effect, isn't it? Good old Tony K's that little yeah. shot of adrenaline to, into your wrestling fan veins that's uh, got us through the day. Tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be the problem, I think. See, if it's good, it's worth it. That's the main thing, isn't it? Although uh, JP, you were the wise one amongst us. You uh, you didn't end up staying up late last night, did you? You were. Uh, oh, you were. Uh, watch, what's that? Uh, like clean and sober today. Probably a wise. Well, well, yeah, it was kind of one of those complete lockdown days where i couldn't watch anything and i was talking a bit about this in the pre-show as well so mm. i watched the buy-in match and i went right that's it I've, I've got first full day of students back in i need to be on it it's going to be all day as well so just get through that mm. avoided and it just was working load so avoided all kind of spoilers except i think when joe was like unusually chirpy at the end of the day and had, and had said to me Oh, um, do you fancy a lift back? And I thought, well, there's two reasons I can't. One, there's a town fair, which means it means it blocks off where like I can be dropped off, so it's not really any any benefit, that's sort of any interest to anyone here. But the other one is, I thought you fucking know Danielson's come back, and you want to talk about it, don't you? And I can't because there's I've got at least three hours of this to watch, mm. like before I get in as well. So I then found myself getting on the bus. Being doing all of that, avoided everything, 
up until a Facebook message from you, which I just, it's not your fault. It just came oh, up. Is that what and you, you were saying? Went, I yeah. thought you were blaming Joe. And I'm you, so sorry. I didn't no. realize it was me. Oh, and you, oh, and you no. mentioned like, it was the Danielson thing I expected, but it was the Adam Cole bit. It said Danielson Cole. And I was like, Arthur. Oh, and then I went, it's my fault for looking at the phone. Isn't it? Because oh, no. you can't look at anything. Can't look at, casually look at Instagram. Can't even I look at the fucking homepage because wrestling news comes up on that bastard Google phone. So mm. it's like a complete lockdown. So in some ways, I wish I'd had it in the moment like you guys did. There was like mm. a kind of pang of jealousy about that because I would say it's it's not the same mm. watching it, knowing like all of the kind of excitements there. You're imagining what's going to happen. But anyway, we'll talk about that when we're talking about the show. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, JP. Spoilers That's are the worst right. thing in the world. So I, I, I feel your pain there. Uh, it is but, bad. Like, I'll literally the day after, if, if there's ever a show I can't stay up for, and usually I will, but like these Sunday AW pay per views aren't helpful. Get, let's get back to Saturdays as we are with a little full gear going forward. But I will, oh, yeah. I'll uninstall Facebook and Twitter from my phone because it's literally yep. the only way I can stop my body from, from being like, I'm bored. Let's log on to Twitter and have an argument. Um, like we were just talking about Will Adams the weekend. Like, I can't help myself. It's just built into me somewhere. Like, so like, I've literally got to uninstall. Otherwise, I'll absentmindedly just hit that button and just have something right in my face. Um, yep. Yeah. I, I, I do it. To, it's difficult to avoid, but... Um, mm. Yeah, you were talking about the hooked on wrestling party mm. that, that you were at for it as well, which sounded a lot of people. I'm assuming bunking off work on Monday, or they booked yeah, off as holidays. We were going to, uh, the casino first thing this morning at six in the morning. So yeah, the uh, That's Tony Carnage. <laughs> it clearly uh, got them wanting to uh, to party even more. But yeah, it was like just saying in the pre-show, it was a great experience watching it live, really, in like a, a crowd. It felt like like I went to Red Pro earlier on yesterday and hopefully because we're going to be talking a lot about all out today we'll have time to talk about that later if we don't get there uh, destination everywhere and um and young guns crack and match young guns are, are great heels i take back a little bit what i've said at the uh the repro manchester show um but like you know the atmosphere there was good but this was like it was like being a wrestling show it was like what you'd imagine craven cottage would be like if you know, AEW ever managed to get over here. And it was like, it's always interesting to hear, like, you know, who's over, like, what, you know, how loud, like, the response to, like, again, it's not a spoiler anymore. Adam Cole, I like how loud the response to him was, how loud, obviously, the response was to Brian and stuff. Or even just the fact that I was sat there, like, a, you know, mid 2000s indie fan, just like loving the fact there's a room full of people here chanting for Eddie Kingston. I'm thinking like none of you fuckers knew this was like 18 <laughs> months ago. Like you just weren't like you weren't even watching TNA when he ran over Richie. Like yeah. it's, it's not even that. It's just like he's beloved already by like a worldwide fan base. It was kind of like interesting social experiments, I'd say. What was the reaction like to Suzuki? was it a, was it a what culture defiant reaction to him, or was it a did they actually no, with it was there a bit of Kazakhstan wrestling fans? No, no, the fans in the. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> we might have had a, a special. If you if you listen to the pre-show, patreon.com <laughs> travel, might have yeah. had a, a special uh, guest there who was uh, possibly an AW roster member who wasn't the most familiar with Minoru Suzuki. But no, like the place went crazy. Like they they, they recognized it, and not not like people were singing uh, Kazakhstan Nina right? but it was kind of, it's kind of similar to the show though, wasn't it? Like he got a bigger response. Um, than like maybe even I would have expected, yeah. certainly based on like you know what you'd you'd seen the reaction for the for the actual match to be honest, and what Kojima's um, reaction was, yeah. But pe- but people kind of knew him. It's it's just this weird world we're in now, where like I think AEW, you know, based on this pay per view, and I heard John Pollock call it like 
we're getting into like AW 2.0 here, aren't we? It's yeah. going to be bringing in more of those types of fans, more of those casual fans who are usually, you know, your, your WWE fans who, who tune in for the pay-per-views and stuff. I think more and more of them are going to be coming over to the good side. As long as he puts a disclaimer up as well, goes, no supernatural shit. Mm. Grown-ups are in the fucking room, all right? Mm. We're going to portray them as real people, so get over it. If you want to buy a doll, fuck off to the other one and watch <laughs> the weird woman who dresses up as a schoolgirl. <laughs> don't waste our times honestly that's what you need to do just need to put a quality control in there mm. that. gatekeeping oh. is good it is it exists for a reason at times mm. <laughs> dare, dare we also forget the phrase of like learning from history so look at these gatekeepers knowing all about like world wars. Yeah, because they tend to fucking repeat themselves. Nothing wrong with a bit of gatekeeping. Look, if, no, you, if you're saying isn't. that, you know, somebody's, you know, if they're going to like spout off on Twitter, you know, for example, and have no context or actual idea of what they're actually talking about, then mm -hmm. you know, maybe, they, maybe, they, maybe they should just shut up then. Maybe they should uh, just stay in the place. Um, there's a lot of those people who uh, formerly would be uh, covering WWE. We're going to be coming over to the yeah. AEW side. So you're going to see more and more of those uh, those bad takes, I think. But yeah, I think uh, gatekeeping's there for a reason. We've got to, got to, got to keep, keep it, uh, keep them in check a bit, JP. Yeah, we do. They're like, there's a good few history books out there. Fucking read them. Which I would say I like to throw that in every once in a while. But I would say what we are living through at the moment feels mm. like kind of uncharted times. Mm. I think that's the most exciting thing about this. Mm. Like, because it's everything seems so open and WWE has never felt more vulnerable. Mm. Like, certainly from a like a creative perspective. Um yeah. and you love to see it. Yeah. In every in every um oh, I, every respect. I saw like I've mentioned before, like my twelve year old um cousin he's like my cousin's son but like he was like a big fiend fan and a big WWE fan and like see his instagram mm. posts and it'd be something like who's gonna win you know between the fiend and whoever he's wrestling this week and that's all he was ever into like should have replied no one wins mate we all <laughs> well even he's slowly becoming like an AEW fan like i'm saying like he posted yeah. something the other day where it was something like oh uh the, the, the stories are that apparently WWE are only going to be signing um non-wrestler types and AEW are going to be able to sign all of the quote indie wrestlers like how are WWE going to know these wrestlers are good and I was like I don't think he realizes how intelligent a post that is that's good for the sense kind of hit the crux of the matter there hasn't it <laughs> yeah how old totally, is he totally. I was like it is but it's dead, it's dead interesting seeing of like oh well, the Darby Allen's good oh AEW have got Daniel Bryan and CM Punk now like he's yeah. not going to be like the only one coming over, I think. I think there's uh, going to be a lot of that over this next year. If I, I heard somebody say it today. I think it was the Everything Evolves podcast. They were saying, like, we are past, you know, like this story of, like, AEW taking over WWE. Like, you think we're at the beginning of it, don't you? But we might actually be closer to the middle now. You know, like, well, I think we're further along in the story than we actually realise we are. And we're going to mm. look back on this period, as we were talking about last week, and, like, and see it and see, oh, God, well, like, what a game-changing few weeks and what a game changing weekend this one was yeah yeah I'm, I'm completely with you on that i think there's like this this feels like a like so significant this weekend mm. and this pay-per-view mm. and you don't feel that way about pay-per-views anymore and you mentioned mm. about how like kind of things can go downhill we're gonna briefly mention briefly which is unlike what new japan did at the weekend but we're gonna we'll briefly mention new japan possibly at the end of the show primarily to slag it off yeah because when downturns happen and things go wrong, mm -hmm. you think of companies with their best laid plans, stories written out for a couple of years, 
how it fucking goes to shit very, yeah. very quickly and how you find yourself in a kind of booking morass where you're doing the same things again and again and expecting different results. Yeah. Well, that's it. Enjoy, enjoy the rise while it's here. We're in the midst yeah. of uh, something special right now. So what we're going to do this week is going to save the plugs and the uh, the bullshit. And we're just, we know we're going to spend a lot of time on this pay-per-view because there's a lot to comb through. So we're just mm-hmm. going to get right fucking into it. And as we, we uh, as I spoiled JP on when I sent the uh, the message for our group chat, we're going to start with the <laughs> big headlines and, and work our way back through the pay-per-view. Sorry again, JP. Um, it really wasn't your fault. I did look at the phone. I have to, like, <laughs> I think in your defense, you sent that a, probably about 20 past eight, which I still hadn't finished seeing that. So it was like, I figured you figured well, we were recording in about an hour. He should have fucking seen it by now. So I don't blame you at all. Uh, I'm only just now realising which which message it was yeah. that gave that away. Such an innocent yeah, little, one, JP, JP. little sentence, but obviously, if you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> Happens all the time, mate. To me, uh, skip the daily updates, and now I did this. Not in your good book, but again, thanks for doing the edit on this later. Um, and yeah, by the way, if the audio does sound a bit off, I'm uh, I've got our usual setup here, but hopefully, it, uh, it all sounds good. But. We'll uh, we'll get into what we were uh, we're going to talk about, and that is AW all out from uh, from last night, as Will has put in the chat. The uh, the home of professional wrestling um, is AEW, which I think was the uh, the closing line from Excalibur on this pay per view, and what a pay per view it was. Like I mean, I know I've gone on record of you know being that I, I think I I have got I've got not bad memories, but I think my recollection JP of when we've gone into reviewing AEW pay per views, a lot of the time we're like, all right. I enjoyed this match. I still love AEW. I like this story. I like that. But always, there'd always be like a twinge, I think, of negativity coming out of the pay-per-views. It would either be that it was too long or, you know, maybe a couple of the matches weren't, you know, particularly laid out well or there was just a match we didn't want. This pay-per-view felt almost perfect. I mean, I don't know whether it was the uh, the drinks in my hands, but I've rewatched watched a lot of it today. Didn't feel like it, 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 you know, it outstayed its welcome. You know, almost four-hour pay-per-view, but, you know, could have gone longer, despite the fact it was, you know, getting to uh, to four or five in the morning before, um, before you know most of us managed to, uh, to 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 skate off. It was one of those pay per views where none of that mattered, and you know we can get into the matches, which we're gonna get get into from an overall um, perspective and the, the grapple ratings and stuff. But I don't know. This felt like a a pay per view of moments um, to borrow a phrase from WWE. And honestly, I don't think I've seen like a a timeline like so just so universally in praising of a show too you know and you're talking like this isn't the echo chamber of aw fanboys like us this is you know your jameses of the world and other people i wouldn't have wouldn't expect to be on the aw train you know you see even them getting up this morning and and raving about aw like this has to Mm -hmm. be like one of the most universally praised pay-per-views of all time and it's just i know we're in the shadow of it right now but i think it's gonna it's going to have to be in the conversation of greatest pay-per-views of all time. I know that's a strong statement to cope in, JP, but I think that's where we are with this thing. There's a lot of praise to hype to, uh, to throw on it. Do you know, I wondered. There was a point after about, I think, four matches, and I went, this is kind of as, as well-booked as any show I can expect. And also, I think the thing with this is not to forget, like, a perfect pay-per-view card or, say, like, a, an an excellent pay-per-view card is made up of many components of matches that aren't designed to overshadow, but create enough of a good impression. You have to keep the crowd hot throughout it. You also, very importantly, 
need possibly a bullshit cooldown segment between a couple of massive matches in order to let things kind of breathe and let the crowd have a bit of kind of downtime. Hmm. But this, like, I mean, I, I certainly think it's the best pay-per-view they've done. I've, I, looking at this, this felt, like I said earlier on, it's historically significant. It felt like when Will says they're about it being the home of professional wrestling, it they knocked it out the fucking park and they did it when they really had to, when you're going to have a higher buy rate and you think of the people that are going to come away talking away from it as well. And obviously mentioned Danielson, Cole, Punk, but it's your Darby Allens of the world that are in there. I think it's, you know, your Miro and Eddie Kingston. I think there's, there's a whole like kind of range of people who got shown off in in a really great light in front of a crowd that was willing stuff, even when it wasn't good and even when stuff kind of dipped, they willed it through and they weren't going to let anything kind of shit on it. And that tells you about the relationship you've got with a fan base where they are willing to do that for you. And it's like, we're going to make this better than what this should be. And I don't think it could be completely overstated because that crowd could have easily been burnt out after the amount of wrestling and big stuff they've seen in Chicago for the last few weeks. They saved up for it. And do you know what? They were fucking rewarded mm. because none of those people are going to feel like they were ripped off. And like, it's amazing what happens when you book a show properly, you book it logically, you have some big moments there to impress fans and you have people putting on like, for the most, at worst, like, and I'm not going to include the Paul White QT Marshall, but at worst, good professional wrestling matches that showcase people in a particular way to absolutely excellent and and fucking stuff that you're never going to see in WWE. I think this is going to, yeah, I think you're right in terms of this is going to be seen as a kind of like a real sea change event. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you sort of alluded to a little bit there jp is is obviously just that that need for i suppose peaks and troughs a little bit in the flow of the card but the but without your troughs being so low that they're utter utter dog shit and i i when you pick in there and you're like you know it's like i've been sat there today trying to think can i remember a, a wrestling event ever that the flow of the card you know, let, ne- never mind the match quality or anything like that, and you know, just thinking about from a crowd reaction and that potential for burnout and anything. Mm-hmm. That's that is the match placement and the you know the the angles and things like that. It was it was pure perfection, and I was th- I, I, I had this feeling as I was you know mm-hmm. going through it, like watching it live la- last night. Think you know, getting to the point of thinking, well, what comes next? How do you follow that? And then what then did follow that? Was always kind of the perfect thing to follow that, mm-hmm. and then then they did kind of like take you on that you know that ro- roller coaster where there was there was some definitely some big big highs on the uh, on the card. There was some lower moments, but the lower moments weren't too low, and the way they kind of like flowed into each other from from one to the next just just felt perfect. And then when you throw into the mix the match quality that was out there and the I suppose quality of the angles, or you, yeah. the, you, you know the, the the different elements that came came together with it within that setting. Like, I I, I cannot think of a show that I've enjoyed more than this in my life. <laughs> like, I've I've really been racking my brain today and trying to think: is there anything where I've you know sat there at the end and just felt like that was 
perfection and i don't like i don't i don't think i ever have you know this i think all you know like you say benno the the timeline today when you go on social media it's all it's like universal you know again coming from all corners people that you're not you know you'd maybe expect to be more critical or elements that they don't like and things like that and you know it just seems like universal everyone's saying it was just knocked out of the park what a great show it was and yeah. you know if you think what a cesspool twitter is for <laughs> negativity and things like that to be mm. on twitter for 24 hours basically and i've just seen nothing but positivity largely it's like i haven't seen concept. any of this stuff i'm looking forward <laughs> to catching up on it <laughs> yeah it's all love it is you know and like you know as much there's things we can be critical about there's you know matches that weren't you know as good as as others there's moments you might go oh i might have switched that there like even like you met you both mentioned there like the the way the card was laid out wouldn't have been the way i would have done it did it work though yes you know yeah. for, for, for the most part yes you know and these aw cards are hard to lay out you know there's always that problem of like you know you throw a banger like as we'll talk about the lucha brothers and young book somewhere early in the card okay someone's going to suffer for that but who's going to suffer for that and you know and you've got to make those those hard judgment calls to like you said gareth to give like peaks and and troughs to to the card but you know overall like people might have minor complaints about some of that stuff but overall you can't really argue with with what they gave us and what they gave us was it was not only that it was a very good wrestling show that made you know those of us like us gareth you know feel feel good about staying up late for it or staying out late for it it was also that it felt like we were part of something you know i mentioned you know mm -hmm. on the before about you know uh, john pollock coining the phrase aw 2.0 and i think we're there you know I, it feels like we're in the middle of genuine like newsworthy happenings in wrestling it feels like we're a, a real like important point in history, um, at a point mm. that we're going to look back on and go, "Oh God, remember that All Out weekend? Remember that AEW? How important was that in like maybe the the change that was to come in wrestling?" I don't think those are particularly dramatic words because yeah, AEW is, you know, it's the only you know you you do like the daily updates, JP, and yes, we try and talk about what's going on in say in New Japan, and we're, like you said, we're going to try and later on shoehorn in some talk about the A block and B block and whatever, and uh, you know, there's uh, some rumours that might have got started by a, a certain Twitter deckhead about uh, WWK potentially going under again and all of that yeah. stuff, but it all takes a backseat to AEW. AEW dominates, you know, as far as yeah. like, interest goes and as far as the the headlines go, and it's because of because of shows like this. They are the, I think when Alan was on with us, he, he said the thing about WWE kind of exists in its own world away from wrestling, whereas mm. AEW is the center of professional wrestling. And that's where it is. And I think the thing that's been kind of really feels like it's coming through is just the notable quality contrast between the two. You, you watch one, um, like, you know, you see WWE and even the way it's directed and everything else, and it just doesn't feel like it can kind of live up to this standard that's being delivered. And it's changing the way that wrestling kind of should be presented to on in terms of American TV. And like, I, I, I it's opening it up. Now we're at a point where it's not overtaking raw in ratings like Dynamite or Rampage, and there's still a way to go in terms of things like that. What it has, though, most importantly, is that all-important buzz and goodwill from a fan base who kind of hoped that CM Punk was going to come back, and they delivered. Hoped that Danielson was finally going to leave and go somewhere good and have all of these dream matches, 
and it kind of feels like they're delivering. They've made big storyline kind of changes, setting up. And I, I, one of the things I said to you in the previous, I'm kind of excited about the way, the direction they go after this. I'm even much more excited after this because I've got full faith in them delivering it and delivering it well. And the way they're telling these stories, like even throughout the match, even when watching all of those preview packages, I was like, this is this is real high quality stuff. I'm each one of these storylines, even I must say, like the Paul White QT Marshall stuff. I thought, well, there's reasons for this to exist. I get why it's there. Yeah, and that's not and it's because we've been force fed muck on in terms of a big stage for such a long time. Mm. Fuck me, it's lovely. Just be given something where it's booked towards making the fans happy and giving them stuff to look forward to rather than this ridiculous feeling of we know wrestling better than you ever do. So you're going to, ha- we are, you're going to have what we give you because of our weird mystical way of working out who's a big star and who isn't. And you're watching that just kind of deteriorate their audience away, like slowly over time. And there's, there's really what other tricks have they got to pull out of the fucking hat? So yeah, yeah, it is it is so good and refreshing. And it's the thing that I'll be frank with you, I've been waiting 20 years for this. Yeah. This is what you've been hanging around for as a wrestling fan, is like 20 years of them of, of somebody who is a viable competition to WWE. Hmm. Yeah. And I think like whatever you talk about this, it's been like this critical point, and it's been this, you know, you're in the middle of something of of the change and the punk thing obviously was massive, you know, whatever that was a week ago, two weeks ago, with that, you know, him coming out in Chicago and that pop and everything like that. But I think when you like you note down and you look at last night and and you just think of the the like diversity of everything, and if you, you think about the different of all those big moments, the diverse audiences that you're engaging with in one big, like, whammy kind of thing, because you've obviously got that punk factor of him being back and him being in Chicago and, you know, him obviously being that that level of star. Then obviously, you know, Danielson coming on the, on, on the show as, as well, been someone who's more, you know, most recently, you know, been at the top level in WWE. So recent, you know, new wrestling fans, people who only watch main roster WWE, they know who he is. You know, he was on bloody WrestleMania and things like that. He's obviously got that star element there. So you kind of like, you've drawn that punk thing from the older fans. You've drawn the Danielson from the new and old, you know, your, your hardcore yes. wrestling fans from your ROH days, but your kids as well. You get someone like Ruby Riot there, who's, who was very popular with, you know, female fans. There's a lot of, you know, over the, you know, you looked on social media over the last two years, there was a lot of, you know, WWE fans pretty disappointed with the way that she's been treated as well. You're bringing in Suzuki mm-hmm. for the New Japan side of things as as well. And then you've got Adam Cole. So you've got like your NXT audience and your more modern indie audience and things like that. So it's like where you think of it has been this moment in time. It's like you just cast the net like into all these different territories there where you just get in that peak of interest from different people. And dare I say it, even those people who, you know, your WWE purist kind of, you know, never watched an indie match in their life. It was like, oh, it's the big show kind of thing. Even those guys kind of thing. It's I couldn't even say the fiend then. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just going to have like no. a, a flicker, a flicker to, to to those of you know some of those. It's just going to pique their interest a, a little bit. Just just seeing that as well. So it's uh, it's really really drawing upon a lot of different you know possibilities and. Um, 
I kind of like nervously say this, but the proof, oh, the, the dynamite rating is going to be interesting this week. I'm really, I'm, yeah. I'm really interested because all natural logic based on that last sort of bit that I've mentioned there and all those different audiences and the profile that it's had and the positivity on that, you know, all logic should suggest that we see the biggest uplift and probably biggest rating for dynamites that that there's ever ever been and i'm nervously thinking if it comes in again and it's 1.1 1.2 million again you know back in that you you know same territory that's you know the post-punk um appearance and things like that you'd be thinking like oh shit is there any legs in them <laughs> able to get this beyond 1.2 or something because if they can't if, if this doesn't if this can't come in at like 1.5 or something like that on the back of the show with this mm. breadth of or with this breadth of people bit involved then then i'd be like oh shit actually you know is this you know what is this built on kind of like a house of cards or something like that but i've got every faith that's not going to be the case but you know fingers crossed under the table here i'm feeling hopeful loads of debuts post pay-per-view bump Let's hope. Um, but I'll be like you as a as a fellow uh, somewhat of a numbers man. I'll be I'll be waiting for those numbers to uh, to talk about them on the uh, on the weekend show this bit this week. But mentioned it there a couple of times. Let's get into the big stories coming out of the pay per view and the you know, the biggest stuff that I think came out of the uh, the main event when we talk to those talk to those debuts. I mean, we can talk about the Kenny Omega Christian match in a bit. Three and a half star match where Kenny won, um, but I don't think anyone remembers that. <laughs> um, I don't know those people who got oh. higher on grappling. They did that. The average is sitting around four, so I think people did did enjoy it as a main, even if you know it did feel you know a little bit odd going on last one. You know there was no chance of Christian winning, but what it did tip everyone off was was like, okay, there must be something coming after the match. And what they got so right here was was that post match scene. It was yeah. just. You know, we've argued on, not even argued, you know, we've discussed on this 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 podcast, you know, uh, is now the time to bring in Adam Cole? And, you know, we've, we've said, you know, we've put various things out and we've all said things like, oh, well, maybe, you know, you put him on ice for a few months. Maybe, you know, you wait to bring him in. You know, maybe there's too many, like, big stars in right now. I feel like the way they did this, lads, they put us to shame and they, they got it absolutely right. Like, having, you know, Kenny out there, caught a very Kenny promo, but talking about, you know, he's the greatest uh, of all time and no one's going to beat him, even, you know, he starts listing off, you know, they're all either retired or dead, you know, the people who could come out, like, which is the, the line to bring out Adam Cole. And in a world where we were all waiting for Brian, Brian Danielson to come out, to pull that kind of double swerve and bring, firstly, bring out Adam Cole, who got a crazy reaction, uh, already had the T-shirt ready for him, which I thought was brilliant. Couldn't look more at home. I think he kind of answered some of the questions about, you know, and I can say this from being at that, you know, that party, Adam Cole is over to a similar kind of, you know, you talk about the different audience you support from Gareth like that. NXT to AEW crossover, I suppose, audience, where I think, you know, the people who were into NXT when it was good, uh, a lot of the same people who are into AEW now or, or who were into the elite, you know, I think Adam Cole was always guaranteed to, to be monster over when he came in, but he came into a monster pop immediately turn him heel which i love um yeah. I, I feel like you know point one which we can talk about about like resolving the issue of okay is having called too many names to bring in at once well he's not leading the elite that's going to be kenny omega and he's going to be slotting into that group and that doesn't upset things too much and it you know gives you room to not put Adam Cole on ice but you know you can come back to him as a potential top guy at some, some point in the future that was a massive massive tick in my box i thought that was genius then i was sat there thinking okay 
they're definitely going to do it, aren't they? They're going to bring out, you know, Danielson's definitely going to come now. They're not just going to leave her at Adam Cole. And I, I know, you know, I mentioned Jamesy earlier. I saw Jamesy tweeting about it. He fell for it. He thought, yeah. I, he, he tweeted something like, I've stayed until five in the morning and I got Adam Cole and not Brian Danielson. Like, if you can work someone like Jamesy, you can uh, you can work anyone. <laughs> so I thought that, that was great. And there was a lot of people who fell for that, I could see, like, in the moment. But then for them to do that and to flip the switch and bring out Brian Danielson to, to come and, and join all the baby faces and do the double debut. Like again, probably wouldn't have been how I would have planned it out or done it, but in execution, it was so perfect. No final countdown. Too rich for even Tony Khan's blood, which tells you how much money there uh, that song could have cost. There, uh, not mm. sure on the uh, the hip hop remix, the flight of the Valkyries, they gave about how good that was. But again, you know, pub speakers, uh, maybe you guys uh, liked it more than I did, but didn't matter. Came out looking like Daniel Bryan. You know, he's got a he, he's he's a hip. He, he dresses like the world's biggest hipster these days, doesn't he? With his with his top knot and his t shirts and his you know his toes basically prodding out of his trainers. Like he was just pure unadulterated Brian Danielson. Quite came out massively over, got that great pop, came out, cleared the ring with the other baby faces. Typical Brian Danielson as well. Like, I don't even think he took as much of the spotlight as he could. He seemed to like, you know, he was most of his camera time was with the other baby faces, but I even enjoyed that. It was kind of cool. It's like, oh yeah, baby faces can have friends and they can rally together. And not every show has to end with heat and the heels, you know, on top, which was good on Dynamite this uh, mm. last week, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, what you do every week and it gave us that perfect ending as well like i don't know if i've seen a, a double debut executed so perfectly and it was just an unbelievable moment and yeah what a time to be a wrestling fan as you said before gareth oh yeah absolutely you know i, I can just echo everything that you said you said there and i think you know again you you talk about the the, the cold side of things like for me given that we were all sat there waiting for brian danielson and you have to only assume that 99% of that arena as well. We just sat there waiting for Brian Danielson as well. Mm. For Adam Cole to get the level of pop that he did, there wasn't an ounce of disappointment that kind of came through the uh, came came through the audio from that arena. Mm. Everyone was fucking up for it. So even though they were desperate for, for, you know, they were thinking it was Danielson and that was very much the, the order of the day, what people thought was coming when it was Cole, everyone still went fucking berserk anyway. And it, it, it did open my eyes because I've had questions over how over he might be and things like that but it's you know god it was it was it, it was really positive and reassuring to see that level level that he did get but then again yeah like the this with, with him stepping into the elite and then him not been then at the top of the card you know that's always again been one of the the concerns is oh you bring these people in and then it's just sort of muddying the waters at the top of the card and have you got too much going on there and things no is firmly settled in there kind of thing as the you know middle guy within the group there's times on his side the stuff that can do you know with him whether it's you know whether it's six man stuff with the books or something like that or whether it's then you know tnt title stuff further down the line and things there's a, there's a lot of legs and timing in that and it just felt like it was uh, it was positioned perfectly but um no i definitely were i definitely wasn't in the in, in the jamesy camp when it when he came out i was sitting there thinking well i can't end this show like this there's there, there's got to be the there's got to be the big uh positive end to the to the show here so i was just waiting for it to happen and then oh god when it when it did it was just oh, fantastic stuff isn't it again it's just you just think, what a what a week. I mean, well, it, the commentators, you know, we we give them some stick, but like when when you know JR with his 
like for the love of god it's brian danielson kind of thing and you're just like he's still got that one liner in them that still gets that kind of like emotive thing when he gets something right he's still very capable of getting something very right and then with shivani just following it up after just that bit of silence with the like god i love pro wrestling i was just like yes like so do i tony so do i i fucking love it like this is why you invested all this time over all these years because of because of because of this and it just it just felt like god what a week to be a wrestling fan what a fortnight to be a wrestling fan just with everything that's that's gone on there and like i was just sat in my you know i was i was off my sofa so many times last night and you know certainly obviously at that that end bit but I was just thinking, oh, God, thank fuck for Tony Khan. Thank God Tony Khan exists. Thank God this human being exists because he's just, like, made my <laughs> made my life so good right now. Who got him into the Observer, you wonder? <laughs> that's the he person we should all be going to. Butterfly effect. <laughs> thank you, sleaze Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Those boys in Mexico are bad, but they did pay off in the end, didn't they? <laughs> 2021. <laughs> Um, sounds awful. Read it if you don't know what I'm on about. Um, no, I have to echo a lot of those thoughts. Um, I, I was just so amazed. So I knew what was going to happen because I said earlier on, I kind of knew it was going to be this. So the whole thing I was thinking is you've got to bring in Cole as a heel. Then in that case, if you're doing both of them, because otherwise I was thinking, what's some weird scenario where they're both stood on the stage, like they're kind of on parity. I was like, no. And then it was like, you bring in Adam Cole because he's mates with them all. So it fits in naturally. And like you said, Benno, you're not bringing them in as the number one but he's still incredibly important. He can still challenge for loads of stuff and get established. And it's the way that they fit in these two people and they fit them entirely into an AEW ecosystem is brilliant. And there's all all nuances of like, obviously, you know, Danielson will have a history of Christian Cage. There's obviously then there's history going back to kind of ROH and the Indies and the rest of it. So it all fits in simply because... They're like happy to acknowledge the history of companies they don't really have that much to do with. And that adds a whole other level to this as well. Mm-hmm. And I was there watching it going, like, double turns are like hard enough. If you're thinking double debuts and one of them is a swerve, you're thinking you're really playing with fire. And given their track record in main, like, main events of like ballsing up some big angles and stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's snafu with that. I would. I felt like a palpable sense of relief that it just worked, and it worked so well. And I just thought to myself, "My God, Dynamite's nuts!" Like mm. all of the things that are going on. And by the end of it, it was almost like I had to get my head around it all before recording. And I haven't listened or read really anything of anyone else's opinion, but just the sheer amount of people who are coming in and movement and how interesting it is, but also how fluid it is, where people seem to be kind of phasing in and out and the rest of it. That's what makes it so exciting. But I was glad to see the heel side get someone substantial. Mm. And like I'm I'm happy with the the pairings of these. You can get some really great stuff in there at some point. And it appears to be what Punk is gonna end up doing for Darby Allen. This is like op- we're on we're still on Operation Jungle Boy here, aren't we? We're like gonna do this. And Jericho's doing his bit with MJF. So mm. any talk as well when you're bringing in the WWE outcast, it's like, well, if you've got a brain in your fucking head, you can tell for a second they're all positioned to build up other people. That's why they're there. There's a reason why Danielson was raising Jungle Boy's hand before anyone else there at the end in front of the camera, like you say, just because that's who he is and that's yeah. kind of what he wants to do. 
And if anything, he should be more selfish. Like that was a minor Chrissy guy out of the yeah. segments. Like I, I did it. I, I stand by what I said. I enjoyed the baby faces being together, but I think Daniel Bryan should have took that moment a little bit more to kind of, you know, take it a bit more. But he's not like that, and that's what he's going to be like as a wrestler as well. Like he didn't even. Did you notice he didn't even do like like encourage the crowd to do the yes? Like I thought that was in. I wonder if that was copyrighted or something weird I, like that. I wondered, but we got like a trademark on the word yes mm. in wrestling. Like, is it a case of like? <laughs> Because he was doing a lot of this, like putting his hand to his ear. Like that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But like it was strange that he wasn't like, you know, encouraging it and you didn't get it. And when he jumped down the aisle, he did this kind of like arms. Mm. And I thought, what's he fucking doing? Like initially when he came down, I thought, I won't argue with it. But yeah. Yeah, like kind of half doing it. One of the things I like with the Adam Cole thing as well is is whether or not it, I don't think it's by design, but given that he's been like the top guy in NXT for all that time, and then he's coming into the middle of the pack in AEW, it kind of like subconsciously positions everybody who's above Adam Cole in AEW as being better and above the standard of NXT in in a way as well. So you kind of like by positioning Cole where you are currently with the you know past few years that he's coming in on you're kind of raising the stock of those who were you know they're currently being positioned above him so like your your, MJF, your your mjfs your uh, hangman pages and things like that who are you know fresh to mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the wrestling audience they're going to be seen to be positioned above you know um above him and then you know again subconsciously seen to be like bigger stars still sort of thing so you yeah know, I, think, I think that's a positive side it's like I'll I'll accept like the you know the arguments people will make about oh too many XWWE guys when you're talking about you know Matt Hardy, Mark Henry, and Christian. Mm. When you're talking about CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, and even Adam Cole, who I'm not personally a fan of, but like you said, Gareth is over to that audience. It's a different conversation, isn't it? Like I even loved it. I know you want to see this JP Tony Khan in like the uh, the post uh, show stuff was that uh, talking about Adam Cole and saying yeah he was the he was the one guy we were worried about during like the Wednesday Night War era. So it's good to have him on the team. And it's like, oh, I love that. You know, he's the one guy. And you've got him now. So there you go. There Wednesday Night War era with the very heavy subtext of I fucking won that. And it was a piece of piss. Oh, mate. Wipe the floor with them. Wipe the floor with them. I love it. Uh, completed it, mate. podcast or whatever it'll be called one day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> NXT uh, completed it. Yeah. But Danielson had an interesting attitude as well. Like, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's just weird, isn't it? That like, I don't, I don't want to say the punk thing. Like I think the punk thing was bigger because punk had been gone longer. But like, mm. you can't get lost at like Daniel Bryan's like the biggest, like if not the biggest star WWE have had in the last ten years up there. You know, like very close. You know, to being if it's not for for Roman Reigns, I suppose. But like, it is unbelievable that like they've got him now, and you know, and he's come in with like very different attitude than punk. You know, he's talking about how oh, well you know. I had a lot of friends in WWE. I've got family there. You know, I wish them no ill will. However, I'm here because, you know, he wants to work with the young wrestlers. He wants to, you know, have, he said something about how WWE are maybe a bit too protective of him. I, he wants to go out there and probably work G1s and, you know, push his body a, a little bit more than, than WWE are willing to let him do. And he's there with, like, the this hot young wrestler of, you know, all that conversation about when he returned to SmackDown a couple of years ago. Oh, he might work Chad Gable. He might do this. And it was so stupid. <laughs> any of those matches we're going to get, we're going to six minutes on SmackDown with a commercial yeah. break in the middle of it, you know. Like, you didn't actually do that now in AEW. And I've, that feels like the direction it's going to go. And he's already kind of been slotted of, 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 of being in that way with plenty of, like, potential, like, opponents in there as well. It's just... He's going to be a breeze to book, and it's going to be so exciting to see. Well, one of the th- what? So, sorry, go on. 
Yeah, no, I was going to say one, 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 one WrestleMania this year. Sorry, just to throw that in there. You know, yeah, Bill yeah. Warren being a big star, and he's on yeah. AEW now. Yeah, I mean, something I read. I can't. Uh, I can't remember who, who uh, where I read it, but I read it on Twitter today, and, and it was such a great point. Um, I can't remember who it was, so I can't give him credit. But they they were talking about the fact how obviously you've got the punk side of things where he's come in, and it's like pure hatred to WWE, and it's you know coming from that angle where he's gonna you know he's gonna have a little snipe at them, and he's gonna slag them off and things like that whereas you've got Daniel Bryan coming in there and saying like yeah I loved it there I love Vince McMahon that made me a really good offer and it's you know but you know I want to come here and wrestle and wrestle with these young guys and you you know WWE had opened the door to me and they were going to let me do this that and the other they were going to give me all the you know give me all these opportunities and things that I hadn't you know I wouldn't have previously had and it's almost more damning in a way that Danielson signed than Punk <laughs> because because there's this you know it, it, it's almost like even in an environment where the th- is there's the comfort there there's the throwing him sheds loads of cash there's giving him more flexibility than anyone's ever had before it's with Vince McMahon who likes him and he likes Vince McMahon and he's very happy you know he loved his time to be to be and he still wants to leave <laughs> like kind of thing you know that's kind of, that's kind of a bit more <laughs> damning of the environment and of what the you know Mm. the way people sort of view the next few years and things like that then it is that the idea that punk fucks them off and turns up because yeah of course he is because he's he hates them and he's going to be negative and things like that but when you've got in you know adam cole was very much saying the same as well he was very positive towards wwe and his time there and the offers that he was made and things like that and you know and again he's 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 gone down the aw route as well so that's that's showing there that it's it's not just fellas who are getting released by WWE who are getting picked up. It's not just people who have left WWE because they're absolutely pissed off. It's also people who are happy with WWE and are getting really good offers by WWE to stay there and who are positive about being there and they want them. But they're also saying, you know what, actually, grass is greener on the other side. You know, this is something where I can earn mm. a good living and I can fulfil you know, my creative desires or my artistic license or whatever as well sort of thing. So, 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 so again, it's, it, it's sort of almost, it, it opens the door to more people in the future because you're not relying on people getting cut and you're not relying on people being so pissed off that they actively want to leave. You can have this environment where there's people who now they're weighing up the merits like that and deciding, yeah, you know what, I will go there kind of thing. And it's, you know, when they've got that flexibility to, to to make a decision, then you get into really, you know, interesting environments when some of these other big names come up. If if, if some people there who are financially stable start to think to themselves, do you know what, actually, I can be financially stable over there as well and mm-hmm. and, and have that creative license to, to do things that I want to do. That's when it's going to get really, really fucking interesting. Mm-hmm. It's that creative license. I think you've hit the, kind of hit the nail on the head with that. That was the thing that, that I ended up thinking throughout this is that when people talk about WWE dream matches, the first thought that goes into my head is Vince McMahon will never allow that to happen. Yeah. So what you're saying is ridiculous. Yes, these two in theory could have an amazing match with no restrictions, but it won't get past the agents, let alone once it gets to the people in TV and then when it gets to Vince himself, the whole thing will become a sort of mutated mess. Yeah. And that system isn't changing and this is a brand new system which effectively gives creative license to the wrestlers so at least they've got that chance it's so then if they company? it's a wrestling company that's the and difference like, and it, do you know what wrestling's drawing mm-hmm. like that's the thing it it draws better than sports entertainment 
Mm. Like it, it really is a th- it is a thing. Like they they em- embraced wrestling. It's not something that they're ashamed of. They've got this like kind of partner behind them, and they're investing in wrestlers. Mm. And there's lots of different areas where you can beat WWE because financially you can't. That's the one where they are like a good bit ahead. Now that's being very polite about it. Like, but at the same time you can put on these amazing shows. You just remind people of the potential of what wrestling can be and how great it can be when you get it right. And I think that's, you know, we're going to talk about it with like a lot yeah. of the booking on the show, but I think for me, a lot of the things I came away with is how well booked this is. Yeah. And that, definitely. you know, this is anyone who thinks Tony Khan is a money Mark is a fucking Mark themselves, but a Mark yes. for bullshit. <laughs> Past that point now. And I've just been re- some, uh, Will in the in the comment there just mentioned that it was it was Trevor Dame who was making that point mm. on Twitter today as well. So there, I just wanted to just give that credit because that that point that um, sort of fleshing out a bit there really was that someone that he'd he'd referenced and really got my brain going on that one. You know, definitely today. So he's he's got a nice thread on that as well. So mm. yeah, go and go and check yeah. that out. Definitely check that out. Yeah, I was shouting at the chat as well. You know, Andy and a couple of other people have said. Yeah, apparently Brian said today that. Uh, so yeah, last night that. Yeah, yes is not um well at least him and Tony Khan like yes isn't the intellectual property of WWE, but he kind of felt like it was attached to WWE, so he didn't want to do it. That's interesting. Um that that's maybe his his attitude. Um I wonder Give it two months. What's that? Give it two months and he'll fuck him off. I think so. I think so too. I think so. But no, uh, it didn't take away from the moment at all. And it was a massive moment. And like you say, a game changer moment as well. That, like, like say, a WrestleMania headliner has come over. A WrestleMania headline who, as we've joked about, literally talked Cesaro into staying with WWE a few months ago. You know, this was somebody who, you know, wasn't negative on the company and easier. And yeah, if you're any wrestler who's left on the WWE side now, like if your contract's coming due and I've seen, you know, the likes of Robert uh, allude to it, that there might be other contracts coming up, like you're going to go want to get on the ship AEW and the, the good ship AEW is run out of places um, very quickly. So, you know, um, but it does say something. You know, that was another thing Brian said that, you know, similar to Punk, you know, he he was very found it important to say. You know, there are other people who've put the work into AW these last two years and made it a stable place for mm. someone like him to see it as an option. And like I say about it being AW two point that that that's it. Now it's not it's not a gamble to come over here. And yeah, I think Punk and Brian being there is a has definitely proven that. Um, I was going to say oh, before we move on to to Punk himself, and I think that will probably is the uh, the second big story of the show. Uh, any huge notes on the match itself, um, Kenny and Christian? Uh, like I say, I went three and a half on grapple. I know I'm a little bit under the average, but you know my uh, misgivings with uh, main event Christian uh, aside, it was a, a solid uh, professional wrestling match. If uh, <laughs> if one that maybe struggled with its placement and uh, coming after Punk, but again with the big angle to to follow, it, it made sense too. Yeah, it does. In hindsight, it's something that we debated about. And as soon as I think it was, was it someone like Dave Meltzer had said last night or yesterday where he said Cage versus Omega is going on last year? Like, brilliant. Okay, this is going to be, it's a reason to be interested. But I actually thought this match was good. I mean, it suffered possibly from a lack of crowd investment. Maybe that was me or it was kind of bad, bad miking, but they did seem quite quiet at points. However, Christian's 48, yeah? Some of the fucking bumps he took, like a top rope, one-winged angel, I was genuinely incredulous about it. And I thought, when looking back on it, the amount of kind of big stuff that happened in the match, whether it was the 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 um, 
not the plancher, but the, the kind of crossbody he did to the outside on Kenny on there as well. It was that spear that went through the table where he really clearly hurt himself and got kind of damaged by the table leg. It added a lot of drama. And the fact he was bleeding from his mouth, for me, I thought he was good. Not to the point where I thought he was going to win. So that was the issue. So I went 3.75, but I'd expected it to be good. It probably dragged on like sort of he lost five minutes. I don't think that would have made um, too much of a of a difference there. But I thought it was I thought it was good. And that little bit of kind of brutality at points. I mean, Kenny does his heel shtick as well at the same time. But as a match, I went 3.75 and I, I enjoyed it. I'm the same boat as JP. I, I went 3.75, so touch higher than you, you Benno, probably as a, as would be expected. Um, you yeah. know, I was going to be at the low man on the uh, <laughs> yeah, Kenny Omega. Like so, you know, I enjoyed the big table. Christian I enjoyed, match, but... you know, you give me a match with a top rope finisher, like you know, noted Pepsi plunge fan from 2003, Benno. Mm. Like I'm into it. So you know, that's even a few extra points for me. I, I, I enjoyed Christian. I've, I've got to admit, again, I'd have yeah. you know, had my reservations, but. I, I thought, yeah, he was he was really really good, and for for me, like I, th- I I think he, you know, I think he deserves credit for this, not just for some of some of the um, some of those like big bumps and the and big spots, but I just I, I just thought generally just you know the the way he worked throughout, and I think some um, I think. <laughs> not to get like selling fetishish, but something was like some of his selling in this. I just thought was absolutely was was really really good. There was, there was a point yeah. where um, Kenny landed a ripcord V trigger, and Christian sold it like face first into the mat. Yeah. It was it, it was it was the best sell that I saw all night. It was up. It was it was first absolute first class. And I just when that happened, I just thought, what a pro! You just made that look like the best mm. V trigger that I've ever you know I've ever ever seen the way it was the way it was done from the back of it. And then obviously on top of that, you know, taking that off the taking that off the top rope. Not you mentioned that one table spot, but then there was the one where there was like the foot uh, the double foot stomp on the table that was oh, like yeah. on top of him as well. Another you know another great you know that was another great spot as well. And and I think just generally with the um, with um, I think the pace the pace that they worked like when with the, Kenny like jump started the match and then things things got going. It felt like they just they just got into it really quick and like for me it felt like. Um, I don't know. It just had a bit of like pep and a bit of spice about it at the start, really. That just made you. It, it had a bit of a more of a big match feel than I maybe thought it was going to have, especially because I thought it was probably going to be overshadowed by what was what had gone on before and some of the other matches going into it felt like bigger. But yeah, all in, like all in all, I say I've gone three point seven five on the app. It's averaging out at three point nine six. So essentially, it's averaging out at like four stars for people, which again, you know. Christian Cage at his age in 2021 mm. after uh, that length of layoff coming back and main event in the pay-per-view and you know the majority of people putting it in that territory like you can't can't say fairer than that so uh, I'm happy to eat a bit of humble pie on Christian because I actually think this run yeah. has been very good in its totality like it's been a lot better than I expected it to be given his age and I think if he's positioned the way I think it is, where he's going to be battling against whether it's Gallows and Anderson and Impact and doing stuff over there, but possibly up against Adam Cole as a way of building him, I'm fine with that. If this is the world title match, we're kind of done then with that side of it, and he has that. It's possibly gone as well as we could have expected when he first came in. We're all fearful of him looking at a May going, oh my God, the position's that straight away. 
Mm. Overall, I've kind of enjoyed this feud, and I can't lie. And I always go back to that. Is it Tony Mondello talking about Kenny when he was 10 years old? Because it's just so fucking weird to throw that into the storyline. But overall, I think this has been a good run from Christian. And I think these two matches against Kenny have been good in different ways. And they've been big, important matches for them as well. But also, it you know, it's been something that you see how WWE book edge. And then you see how veterans are used here. And again, you know, it seemed to have cycled out a lot of other veterans because there was loads of people who weren't on the show, like your Jake the Snakes and Tully Blanchards and the like. But at the same time, this is a, you know, he's delivering at a high level. And I think, again, I just remember 48 and I go, he's five years older than me. And like, fuck am I doing some of that stuff? Well, I hated it. So anyway. <laughs> I didn't. No, I, mean, I I don't disagree with what a lot of you're saying. Like, I don't want to get lost that I think Christian's this bad wrestler. I think he's he's a very good worker, an experienced worker who can offer something to your shows. Do I want someone who's been positioned as a mid-card for 20 years in a main event? No. Do I ever want to see it again? No. But did they make it work in the end against, you know, my expectations? Yes. You know, on the turnaround was that, was that you know, that TV match and... You know, it, it did uh, drive a bit of investment. I still think there was, I didn't, it didn't feel like a big time match on the night, still to me. Um, I think a lot of that is the fact that nobody in that building bought that, that Christian was going to win, but they still had, you know, a decent um, pay per view match. And like I say, no one's talking about the match at this point either. So it doesn't seem to, um, it's not like it, it hugely negatively affected things, even if you were, you're strongly on my side of the argument either. How did the hooked on wrestling crowd? Enjoy it. How did they? How did the whole angle and everything else go over with them? Were they just going ape shit? Oh yeah, just going ape shit for yeah. It's a, it's a live crowd, isn't it? So you know you yeah. get a, you big moments like uh, like the lads coming out after the match, and you know they're, they're going to go ape shit for it. Match itself, relatively, you know, not, not not quiet, but the same as the rest of the matches. Really, it's not so much the matches; it's more about the uh, the moments, I suppose, with a with a crowd like that. What, so, I don't, don't, I don't want to be like detrimental to to Christian though. <laughs> this it's sort of like backhanded compliment, or or maybe not. I don't know. But the fact that it, the fact that it was only <laughs> the fact that it was only Christian hmm. in the main event as well made probably the Cole and the Daniel Bryan <laughs> stuff like hmm. pop a bit bigger as well, kind of thing. Rather than if it had been this. Epic, epic main event, you know, maybe with with bigger star, you know, bigger star uh-huh. names that people were desperate to to see there. I don't know. Maybe it made maybe it made what came after it feel even that bit bigger still. I think you know, you're right, possibly as well. Because I think the Adam Cole bit, it's like, well, he's a big, he's a. Where does he rank in terms of stars? I even feel kind of wary using that about about to wrestling fans. He is a. A very well-known figure, and I'm hesitant to use the word kind of star in that proper sense, but Danielson's like another level. So the idea of being, oh, yeah, we've raised the stakes. We're bringing this guy into our our stable, and then Danielson comes out. I think by the fact you have Christian Cage and you're going up like Cole's a level above him and then Danielson's a level above him, I think that does help. Yeah, and Cole, and, you know, to his professionalism you know to say something like about christian he's not somebody who's going to kick up a fuss about that he'll happily step down and be one of the guys who are standing with brian you know kind of the real star now and yeah. and do that i imagine they're going to get going whatever they're doing mm-hmm. with their with jungle boy and him at some point as well so you know i guess they will uh we'll see what they do with him next but 
you know, just to go a little bit backwards and then we'll uh, we'll talk the uh, the full pay-per-view. But the other big headline thing that I do want to uh, hit at the, uh, the start of the show as well is that this pay-per-view featured the little matter of the return to the ring of, uh, of CM Punk um, after, after seven years. And yeah, it was... You know, I'll say it again. An emotional experience for me getting to getting to see CM Punk wrestle again. Um, desperate to know, you know, what you thought of him coming back, Gareth. Desperate to know what you thought about the uh, the tights. Uh, I gotta say, like, I, I, I think tights work for Punk, but I don't know about those colours <laughs> or that design. <laughs> they, they might need work the uh, the new look CM Punk. But as far as like the wrestler himself, and as far as you know, slotting back into things, I've. I was very happy with it as a as a re-debut. I went four stars on Grapple. Um, I know the average is uh, sitting a little bit below that. You know, a lot of people seem to be going about three point seven five or uh, so. But yeah, I uh, I very much enjoyed it. Didn't I, the worst thing in the world if I came out of it feeling disappointed or feeling like you know we'd hugely lost the step or anything. And I think for that they were very smart in the way they laid the match out. The match kind of, the structure of the match felt like. As well as in real life, we were seeing CM Punk find his feet in a, as a wrestler again. We were seeing the character of CM Punk kind of find his foot in as a wrestler again, you know, with a lot of like the early grappling exchanges, you know, being there for a reason, not just there for no reason, being there to show, you know, Punk was a little bit rusty. And then maybe as a veteran, he was mm. going back to the basics rather than going, you know, crazy um, in the match. And there was a lot of like good work in the in the early match that, that kind of paid off later on in that regard. And I just enjoyed it. It was a fundamentally well-put-together wrestler match. They didn't stretch Punk too hard. They let him find his footing in his first match. Darby Allen was willing to take a, a couple of nutty bumps in there uh, for his part as well and was was very exciting in the match uh, too. You know, it, 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 in front of a crowd as well, which could have easily turned on him in there against Liam Punk. And all in all, I wasn't left disappointed. Went four stars on it and was very happy with it and just yeah i feel almost feel relief gareth after this one like okay <laughs> got the first one out the way let's see what's next let's see what he can do but yeah uh, definitely enjoyed it and and to that point really though as well is is it it was a bit of a sitting duck really wasn't it that there's mm-hmm. there was people there who were going to pile on that they, they were ready waiting oh, with so bated breath to pile on kind of thing and and i don't think i've seen I haven't seen any negativity towards it at all, at all on like like my timeline certainly and you know, you know things I don't, I don't think anyone anyone's particular you know can be particularly justified as having a negative opinion about it you know I th- and I again I was a touch touch lower than you I was three point seven five on it but to me, to me it was really it was as it was as much as I could have probably hoped for and probably, you know, maybe even a shade better, to be honest. I probably had in my head, I was thinking, yeah, this is going to be a three and a half star match and it's just going to be nice and solid and ease you back in. But there was enough to, to it, while they sort of told that story of, you know, him using his way back in and things like that, it, it, when, when it got to the... I don't know the business parts of the match where things did pick up and th- you know the tempo did in- increase and things like that. It felt to me like he hadn't skipped, <laughs> he hadn't missed a beat really, kind of thing. It just, but you know, I suppose it's what it's one of those when you've worked at that level for the length of time that that, that he has, then you know there is that like natural side of it that is gonna is gonna come back into you that um, that you know you are just gonna sort of fall into it. And I, just, I felt like he did. I thought I felt like um, from from 
um, from from the big spots to the to the basics, and I th- and I think one of the things that really sort of came through was that was the pacing that he worked at, and him just having that confidence and control in the way that the the match was worked, and where it did slow down, and then it did like accelerate into some of those um, faster faster elements where you know Derby landed a few bigger moves and things like that. It's you know it felt like it was pieced together um, really nicely. I think um, they had me from the start anyway when they did that arm drag spot, and then. You know, Punk did the 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 Bret Hart one two three kid where he kind of looks and sort of raises the eyebrow and does the little little okay like the little smile kind of as soon as he did that like it was a it was as if Punk's face just morphed into being Bret Hart's face from that particular spot so just that little that little call back or that little nod to Bret Hart at that moment was just something that was you know got a bigger got a big pop out of me um, in 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 that particular moment but. Um, yeah, or you know, or, or, all in all, like even, you know, I think when we, you know, got to the back end and we were talking about him, like you know, hitting the uh, GTS and things, like or, you know, I thought that was mm. that was delivered as probably about as well as I've ever seen him do it as well, really. So again, that was another another positive end from from my point. Mm. I mean, if we're getting into the territory of uh, talking about his uh, his tights. He looked a bit. Uh, he looked a bit bodacious, Bart, to me. <laughs> I think that was. Uh, I was having like new Midnight Express uh, flashbacks um, with those. I don't, I don't think. Uh, I don't think it particularly suited him. And I don't know. Maybe it kind of like fits that you've got the, you know, the ROH run is predominantly you know the basketball shorts, and that's what's thought of with that. You've got the the trunks in WWE, and maybe this is just a, a different look for a different era and things. If he's gonna if he's gonna stick with this, but it's gonna take a bit of time to time to get used to i didn't think it was a, a, a good look for him but uh we'll we'll see give it give it time might just be the uh jarring nature of it been a bit a bit different um what about yourself jp cm trunks mate that's how i <laughs> felt about it i want the trunks there i'm not happy with the uh with the tights i didn't like them that like it, it's a very small quibble i went three and a half on this and it's not to say that I disliked it or anything else. I think how I ended up feeling about it was that I did think you got a little bit blown up. I thought maybe they could have shaved off a few minutes of it, but I was kind of like you where I had a quite a low bar for this. Cause I was like seven years out ring rust, like these, you know, big pressure occasion and the rest of it. And again, I think in other matches involving other wrestlers, they would have been a lot quieter during some of those early exchanges but Punk was always going to do that. He kind of, ra- you know, it, it raised it up. And I think he did as well as it, this opening match is going to be with the expectation that he's going to get better. He's going to, he's a perfectionist. It's in his nature that he's going to want to improve and get a lot better and have more matches. So I'd look forward more to the second match. I came away thinking, okay, his first match has come and gone. And like you, Bella, there's like a sense of relief about this. I thought he's, you know, it's not Shawn Michaels' return against Triple H. It's not that. Well, I like the tight. A little bit it was. Oh, no, that was a sec- that was Sean's second match when he put the brown tights on, wasn't it? Did you hear my CM Trunks comment, Benno? I'm not sure. If oh, no, I just that. missed that. Yeah, that was... That, that's I'm purely that on the Trunks done. side. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, like, overall, I think I had a limited set of expectations for it. I thought Darby Allen did a hell of a job in terms of his selling. But when he was on offense, it was so kind of action-packed and he he did all of that. That first GTS where he went through the ropes, like avoiding the pin, I thought that was great. That was that, such that a punk was... moment. Like, Gareth yeah. would agree. That's, that's a very, like, thing for CM. Just, yeah, type of thing he'll drop into his matches. 
And Darby's a very underrated grappler in and of himself. I know he's got a good amateur background, but like, I, you know, I came away from it thinking, as you kind of should do as well, that Darby Allen is going to be a star. Mm. And also, I want to see Punk versus Sting, which yeah. I didn't know could even be a thing uh, like a year ago. Seems yeah. absolutely mental to mention it. Yeah, Dad Sting, I'm more than happy like with that again somebody else coming in there where you you're kind of wary about where is this going to go and you're just seeing how someone of that ilk should be kind of booked at this stage in his career and i think a match to get between him and punk it's kind of thing i do on tv because you know what you'd imagine it'd draw a hell of a rating and you got that in your back pocket and that's nowhere near the top of the stuff that really you can do with cm punk yeah that that's where we are with that that's like a nitro match yeah. There's like Sting and DDP and those other uh, matches they throw every now and then. They throw you a bone and put it on a nitro. Like, I'd be well into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to pick up on a couple of things Gareth was saying there, like, yeah, I think for me, the you know, CM Punk is a wrestler who, you know, he's got spots, but it's not like there's, he's got a huge number of memorable ones, but we got a few of them peppered in, you know, as far as like, you know, the running knee in the corner and things like that. But a lot of it was just CM Punk working a match in his style in a style that was and you know i'll say this to the people who love christian you know the people the people who love christian will say well christian does well as works matches in a different style to the rest of the aw mm-hmm. roster and like you know you were saying there gareth you haven't seen much negative i've seen a little bit i've seen some people kind of say they thought the match was slow at least for the you know for the first part of it but i think that's just because people don't expect you know, a match built around a headlock exchange in AEW because we haven't gotten that. And, you know, AEW mm-hmm. has been kind of, you know, a certain style for so long. And that's what Punk, you know, Brick coming in and Brian coming in and, you know, potentially, you know, Minoru Suzuki coming in. That's what you can you can kind of get, like a different Fuck working yeah. style and a different type of match than the rest of the things on this card. And again, I think it worked perfectly into you know, what is Punk capable of, you know, at, at his age and with his, you know, time away from the ring. I had the same smile on my face, you know, as you, Gareth, kind of just seeing, just kind of like seeing it come back to Punk, you know, like the little moments between the moves. And it was like, has he, has he even thought about like putting like a bow and arrow on or like kicking someone in the back or, you know, the little like, you know, moments between moves. If he's only been training for two weeks, he probably hasn't. And it all just came flooding back to yeah. him. And like the moments where like, you know, at the end of the match where he was literally screaming, I'm back and flexing the top rope. It was just oh. like, oh, you could feel it. Like I love that, the swearing we said in the promo segments, I'm looking out for those moments where it's like, okay, he's feeling this. You know, yeah. he feels part of this. He feels himself again. And, you know, these years of him being in the wilderness are, are well behind us now. And and one of the things, though, if, if, where it was slow at the, at the start, where, you know, there was the side headlocks, there was the hammerlocks. Um, there, there was that, like, where they were, he was trying to counter the counter the hammerlock. I, love I was that. loving that because, like, to me, it was like, it wasn't like that was a rest hold. It wasn't like it was a no. time wasting hold. They, they were working that and they were, you know, yeah. the, the way that they were working that with Punk trying to get that hammerlock reversal and he just couldn't, he couldn't figure out what he needed to do or he would think he'd escaped and then Darby had, um, and would roll through and like counter back through into the same spot and things. I was thinking, this is this is just brilliant. This is just perfect. Like it's so simple, such a simple little thing. And they had this spot where like Punk's kind of like pushing his head back and he's trying to work and he's trying and then I just stood there doing that and it was you know with some loose side headlock on while I just waste a bit of TV time or something like that. It was well thought out and it was logical and you know and it, and, and again that's like. 
that's you know what I always come back to. I love really good, simple. <laughs> you know, simple spots in wrestling where it's it actually looks genuinely competitive and it actually looks like they're genuinely trying to figure out that counter or be able to actually like break the hold and and that's that that kind of like rustiness and getting into the groove and things like that of it and then just almost it been like this little puzzle that he had to solve a very basic one at the at the start it just that just that, that resonated with me and I, I, yeah really really enjoyed it and i almost wasn't enjoyed it as much as i enjoyed him pulling out the old benson richards uh, leg lariat at the end there just uh, before he uh, did the finisher a little nod to you benno i thought it was uh, all the work you've put into praising him the last couple of weeks <laughs> there you go if i ever go back to wrestling mate i'll put on that I'll, I'll copy the tights as well and bring back the leg lariat so update my uh my cm punk cosplay <laughs> no i love that i was made up to see that it was just yeah it was just it was fun to see um and yeah you know i whatever you know if anyone thinks you know the match was slow then you know fair enough they're, they're entitled to their opinion but like you said I, I felt like they were telling a story there um and that story worked for me and it resonated for me and i've got that attachment to punk so maybe there's a, a bit of bias into why i gave it four stars which does seem to be a little bit above that average but i stand by it and, and i'm excited for what comes next just i don't know Get to get some white tights or something, or like you know, does it have to be the Chicago flag, or if it's going to be the Chicago flag, does it have to be blue on black? I don't know. <laughs> does he need those massive kick pads? He'll work on it. He'll figure no. it out. It's CM Punk. We should have expected him to refresh his look. He was always gonna. Um, that's what he does. Keeps himself fresh. We'll it's see. very Seth Rollins. That mm, it is a little bit. It mm. is a little bit. But uh, you know, Ria mentioned in the plot in the chat to be thinking he'll do the Pepsi plunge at some stage. No, if it didn't happen here and Darby didn't talk him into it, I don't think it's ever happened because you know Darby mm-hmm. wants to take one of them through a t- through a flaming table on the outside or something. So <laughs> I think at this age, Punk's going to save his knees. <laughs> it's probably uh, the case. Um, but yeah, all in all, definitely enjoyable, and I'm glad I'm glad that first one's done. Yeah, it, it's going to get better. It's it's going to get better from here. Their rematch is going to be better. Um, mm. I think there's interesting stuff you can do with Derby. Rian mentions there in the chat, where does he go from here? I think if you have him kind of like, even just being a figure, basically doing what Sting used to do, sitting up mm-hmm. there in the rafters, kind of watching the overall scene and wondering where does he go from here? I think that's fine. I think that's character development. Because in much in the same way, I expect Adam Page when he comes back and how he fits into the main event scene. It fits in perfectly with his character. I've banged on about this for ages. Like you can reinvent that scene and you can have him get disillusioned as big stars come in and it fits perfectly with how that character is going to react and feel. Mm. So like, I, I think with this, like Derby comes out of it bigger because he's going to do a big pay-per-view buy rate and it's not, and I think he worked his absolute ass off here as well. So like all the credit for him and he made like, you mentioned about the GTS and how good it looked. That's him as well as much as any like as anything and that's when we were like talking about the fact that this is a good opponent for him to have because just his his offense is gonna be like that and it's perfect for him to get his ring rust you have, to, yeah, you have to give him a nod as well for that um that bump he took off the reverse irish whip when he went through the corner right to the outside oh. it was just like fuck you know like you know he knew he was gonna he knew he was gonna bump for punk but i was like oh fucking hell <laughs> that, that must have uh, that must have absolutely uh, wrecked that one i mean in terms of where derby goes for me hopefully this where derby goes for me is um just some tv six-man tag matches with uh with sting derby and uh, cm punk against um 
Um, oh. Any three variations just thrown out there? Just some little fun, fun six mans just for a little while, and just giving him a, giving him that little rub for a, <laughs> for a bit longer before he gets his teeth into something else. Because that's something that I'm, a, I'm all about. That. Definitely. Oh, th- those three against Everrise and Daniel Garcia. Gonna say two point and the... Daniel Garcia has got to be the one next week. Mm. Get to it, and we get the dream tag team we never knew we wanted: Sting and CM Punk. There you go, it's coming. I was listening to um. Wade Keller this week and Wade Keller was saying like to, to Tom Martin, do you think do you think Sting actually knew who CM Punk was before this week? And I was like, actually, I'm not 100 <laughs> percent But he's probably heard the name, so you know, <laughs> whatever. I'll be too sure with him, can you? Yeah. Sting's not watching, wasn't watching wrestling these last 10 years. He wasn't watching Monday Night Raw. And he's a smart man. Um, but yeah, like like Andy said there, you know, and, and yeah, for Derby, you know, the good thing is no one loses too much in defeat. Derby will be fine. Um, and yeah, you know, I predicted Derby going over. I thought they might do the banana peel finish, and Punk hasn't quite got it back yet. And they come back to it later, but you know, it would have been ballsy to have Punk lose in Chicago, so I shouldn't be shocked if it, it didn't happen. But yeah, should we talk uh, the rest of this card then? There was uh, plenty mm. more um, going on other than uh, those headlines, and we uh, we might as well go from the uh, the very top. Or I don't know how far back you want to go. Did anybody watch the buy-in? Um, yeah, Anthony Gogo turned up at our party at that point. Who I've given it away now, um, but <laughs> so I uh, hey. I missed most of the the Hardy family office in there with the uh, with the best friends in Jurassic uh, Express. Where, where it was a uh, was it as fun as it looked? Um, as I did on mute. Yeah, because it's what a buy-in match should be. If the idea is to entice people on a pay-per-view, what do you want to do? You stick the two lads out there who've got recognisable music that the crowd are going to react to. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a load of big moves. You've got Hardy in there to attract the kind of casuals, but not kind of overbearing in it. And you have the kind of obvious finish with the the faces winning. And it was, yeah, so hot crowd, big moves. It's It's not kind of complicated. It's what you want to do. And it lasted like 10 minutes. So it never overstayed its welcome for that as well. What I would say about the HFO is, A, obviously sick of seeing them on Dynamite. If they're moving dark to a studio show, and that's the way they, that they want to go with it from there, then the Hardy family office are perfect heels for every up-and-comer to kind of go up against. And if that's what they're used for, then I think that's a very good use of them. Obviously, at some point, phase out Matt Hardy because yeah, I was gonna say. you've got too many people there. But for the time being, that's kind of where they need – that's. That's really where a lot of that group should exist. Although they built up the fact that um, was it in this match? It was where Andy Williams um, came back. back, Butcher Butcher came back, and they were bigging it up. He looked great with his fucking beard, mind, and he's going a bit grey as well. He looks. Yeah, apparently his thumb was fucked, but Mm. it isn't now, obviously, because he's back, and I'm sure he played some gigs. So who could tell? Is it playing the fucking guitar? Is it the wrestling? God knows. Yeah, it was just a it was just a fun match, wasn't it? It was like you say, it was it was it was almost like opening match one oh one kind of thing. Get some yeah. get some fun lads out there and just have a few like fun spots and you know, at the end of the day the baby faces win and it's jungle boy winning and and Helico losing, which is always good to see as well. So Justice. Um, so there you go. I went three stars, like pre show pre show match and I went three stars on it. So you know you can't say fairer than that. AW about worst pre shows. Yeah, 3.25 because I enjoyed it. But then it's at that point where I went, right, I'm switching this off and going to sleep. So, <laughs> so obviously I've seen it since then. I've not been asleep. Since that point. <laughs> well, the uh, pay-per-view proper started with uh, 
Miro and Eddie Kingston. I'm um, speaking of uh, my favorite matches of the night. Uh, there's probably a better night match coming later, but you want to say favorite? It's between this and the uh, and the Punk match for me. Delivered everything I wanted. Uh, a near, and in fact, I think I was generous and went the full four uh, star match on the on Grapple, uh, at least within that range um, of what we expected. Two big lads chucking each other around the ring, and that is absolutely what it wanted to be. Could have been a you know a never title match. Could have been a you know a Noah match from a certain point in time. It could have you know this match could have taken place anywhere, but it took place in, in AEW in front of a, a hot crowd with two strong acts who are both over you know who can talk you into absolutely anything the little go home uh, video that the uh, that AW put on the youtube of these two was unbelievable as well like we've said i, I wish we'd have got a few more weeks of build up to this thing but the actual max and, and execution itself it was it was everything i wanted kingston lost but you know he loses a lot of matches and let's say you know there is a big new york show coming up so so maybe they're they're, they're, they're saving like some kind of rematch for then as well but he didn't lose anything in the defeat you know them using the the low blow before the uh, the match could kick to uh, to end things for him but he got to look uh, strong all the way up until that point and yeah it was just two balls going at it and just so much fun this one four stars for me I went 3.75 completely agree with all of that I I was I was surprised because I had a vision of this match, which was them doing a lot of brawling and, and various things on the outside. But in fact, it wasn't. It felt like sort of good old-fashioned Hoss Pro Wrestling for mm. a lot of it. And I was all over with that. I think the story with Miro's neck did a yes. hell of a job getting that over. Also got to give a shout-out for the line, redeem these D's nuts as well, which he was wearing as the T-shirt coming out there. Cause that not was... Mr. Trick, do No. Not at all. Too big, the typeface, if we could say that, but that's a problem that wrestling t-shirts have in general. And, and it, it's now sl- slightly inching my Alex into wrestling there slightly as well, because he says these nuts about 40 times a day, so when he saw uh, Eddie Kingston's yeah. t-shirt there, he was like, oh, who's this? <laughs> like, kind of thing. So I was like, oh, do you want a D's nuts t-shirt? Hey. Uh, was... <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to get that? Get on a, a big sale on this weekend. Uh, yeah, just one last thing. I completely agree with you. It sets up a rematch at Arthur Ashe. And I want more of this and more promo time and like really heated. This should be one of the storylines that we hopefully see a good bit of over the next few weeks. Because mm. I think you go back to this a good few times with sort of even different dynamics in place because I was really pleasantly surprised at how well they gelled. And, you know... Even the pots, you know, how the crowd was so invested into Eddie Kingston, like completely losing their shit, particularly when he was like, they thought he was going to tap and they didn't want it to. I was like, this is fucking great. And I I didn't think I'd open with this, but I think you might well have said, you said this earlier on the show, but it was just like, I wouldn't have opened with this, but my God, it was completely the right decision. Totally, you know, a match the crowd was invested in and, you know, a match that you mentioned the last one was kind of your flippy opener. This was just, your, you know, a hot opener in a way that it kind of got the crowd going. And I was with you there with as well with like those near falls like that. I think it was a back fist uh, Eddie hit into hitting that DDT. Mm-hmm. And I love the kind of delayed count uh, from Bryce who was busy fixing the table. So it kind of, oh, it was so later on Jericho and Jeff where they did something similar, but I thought this was a better way of doing it that protected Eddie a little bit, let him, you know, save a, a little bit of face in defeat. And also, you know, gave us a, a great near fall to, to bite on as well. I just thought, yeah, this was just, just really well done pro wrestling. Yeah. And I, I thought this was one as well where, um, like sometimes it's it's Eddie Kingston's in ring, you know. Everyone talks about how oh, he can talk, yeah. kind of thing, and sometimes his in ring does let him down on occasions. And you know, 
and this was one where it just didn't. I didn't think like again, yeah, it was they're, they're almost like that's it. They just they just gel totally, and you know, a lot of the suplexes it was it, and a lot of the chops and things like that. You know, like the state of Miro's chest and things. It just made it look like they'd been in a good, like hard battle, but it was just very much kind of felt like this is chapter one or this is act one or something like that. Mm. You know, I, I tweeted last night. Yeah, I didn't want Eddie Kingston to win here. I want him to win it at Arthur Ashe. <laughs> you know, if he's going to take the belt off him anyway, anyway you know, that's a, that, that, mm. that's a great place for it to, to happen. But yeah, I mean, this just, you know, if, you, if you're almost taking the buy-in match out of the equation for me, what a crack and start to the show. 3.75, just set you off on the right foot, foot, in and out, nice and quick, lot happening, here we go, kind of thing. I just felt like, right, we're, we're, the, the ride has started. I thought we're off, a, off, on a, off on a good start here. Let's see where this takes us. And, and it couldn't have been a more AEW match journey. to kick off either as well. You know, Rusev, Rusev versus Eddie <laughs> Kingston. Like, tell yourself that three years ago. Like... Oh. And I tell you what, what a good job he's done just sorting his look out as well, Eddie Kingston. Yeah. Like again, he oh, just yeah. you know he, he looked like you know when he was over here doing that indie run before he got signed, or you know just pre-COVID, you know he looked like shit there. But like, and then turn when up first, the show singlet in the back pocket of his jeans wouldn't he like that was how he brought his jeans so <laughs> yeah. they looked like shit <laughs> yeah and then when he and when he was first on tv at aw he it was just like oh god you look awful kind but he, again he's just honed the look as well now where he's he's actually somebody who looks you know cool as fuck when he comes down he looks like a you know he's, he's got his character down for where it is at and what it needs to be and look like for, for aw and he's yeah god he's it's it's great to see because he's really made himself pretty central part of what AEW offers us really hasn't he over the last uh last 12 months you know his stock is so high within the company you'd have to say and backstage yeah. like i mean you've going even from the Brody lee but the impression is as well is that he has been an absolutely crucial figure to have kind of around there backstage just because he seems willing to help and work with everyone mm. yeah great man and uh you know his look has improved although you know, I loved his uh, his DMX Rough Riders uh, top on Rampage. I mean, just you know, go with large next time, Eddie. You don't need to wear the extra medium just because you're on TV. Yeah, it's a bit, it was a bit ill fitting, but who am I to talk? I've got plenty of extra medium tops. Um, but yeah, great man. Um, but yeah, up next we uh, we went from there to a small matter of uh, John Moxley and Satoshi Kojima. Um, obviously, I think the. Uh, the big story is going to be the uh, the post match here, um, and obviously, you know, Moxley as well as his other things he was doing this weekend, i.e., um, becoming the uh, the GCW champion as well. But I thought this was a good match. It felt like the crowd were maybe trying to pretend they knew Kojima more than they did because, like, they reacted to him, but they didn't necessarily react, you know, in the places you would expect for for some of his big spots. But it was still, you know. An enjoyable match. Um, it was, you know, not a match where, and there were a couple on this show. Maybe that's a one little negative you can say. There are a lot of matches on this show where, you know, it's not like the uh, the winner was uh, particularly in doubt, and maybe that hurt things a little bit. I went three point two five on it, which on this show is a rock bottom rating, which you know tells you the uh, the strength of of everything else we're we're going to talk about, and maybe part of that's the fact that it did feel a little bit like, you know, okay, let's get to the point here. Moxley's going to win, um, but you know Kojima still looked. You know he can still turn it on when he needs to, and he he did here recognize the uh, the the occasion he he was out here for, and you know it was definitely a, a serviceable uh, match two on this uh, relatively stacked card. Oh, what 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 about the nick that Kojima's in? Like the shakers in? Like oh, I was just like you know. 
you think there with the fucking you, if we talk about the G one lineup and things, you look at Kojima there and you just think he should be he should be in the mix there and he should be involved in that because he's in, take it over he's, some he, of them. He's, he's in fucking great shape and he can work a better match mm. than half the lads in um, in 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 that G one. But again, I just think he held up his side of the bargain. He, you know, the result was never in doubt. You know, from from the off. I just thought they just it just went out there and they just went and had a good hard hitting match and just fucking knocked the shit out of each other for for a bit and you know you had the nice thing where like you know Mox hit that huge lariat absolutely massive lariat mm. that he that looked looked great and you know got the win and again it was one of those like sometimes you know a match doesn't need to be much more than that for you know you talk about for the flow and positioning on the card. The opener was better than it, but this just tucked in behind it, and it was just almost like a just a nice little, you know, brief, you know, accompaniment to a bit of a palate cleanser, almost to to, to some degree. Yeah. That you kind of got what you needed it to to do, and then obviously, then it sort of leads into the the post match angle as well, which I think I think by nature of this match, I think it was another one of those where the match delivered to a certain level that probably then made the post-match stuff seem even better than it actually oh, not, not even better than it actually was because it was fucking great but no, no, you know you it, 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 I gave it that extra little bit of juice because of because of the way this match had been positioned as well and the way Moxley had been positioned in this in this match so you couldn't um, have done it yeah. the other way around could you you know <laughs> done a Suzuki match and then gone and here he is Kojima you know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's right. It's the step above it. Like I, I went three point two five. I'm generally the match. Like, like I say, it was it was kind of like good fun. If you're gonna have matches like this one, this is when we're talking about the flow and structure of a card and what made it great. This at least had novelty to it mm-hmm. for a match that storyline really didn't. It was the weakest of them. It didn't. It wasn't given really a storyline other than it's a novelty thing to do with John Moxley while he's not in the world title. Hunt. And it'll be interesting to see because obviously that'll be the main event of Dynamite next Wednesday is him and Suzuki, and it'll be in Cincinnati. So you'd imagine they'll be going sort of like pretty batshit during it as well. Mm-hmm. But what a great fucking angle! And I wasn't, it wasn't like I was surprised by it, it kind of made sense. But I was thinking of you two talking about Moxley versus Suzuki as one of your match of the matches of the year when we were doing the top yeah. tens. Mm-hmm. And you two were raving like this is a match that people weren't going on about. And I was like, ah, excellent. So we're gonna if we're getting that, if you're getting that in the US, then because Suzuki's gonna absolutely fucking floor it, isn't it? Mm. Out of all of these, yeah. It just great and glorious stuff. Like yeah. and, and you're going to get a good hard hit in Minoru Suzuki match. Well, and Moxley, you know, you speak of creative fulfillment. Like I know he's not involved in the main event scene, but he's loving every fucking bit of this. Nagata, he's Kojima. You got Tanahashi coming up. Suzuki on Wednesday. It's still all the bucket list stuff he wants to do, and he's not losing anything by doing it. I think it just is like a different part of the show. Mm. Well, we talked about it the other when we talked about the punk promo and the, the like in your eyes stuff. And I was just when when Suzuki was in the ring and he was like they were up close face to face, and I was just looking at Mox's face. And again, the the eyes were just a giveaway, just the delight in his eyes. Kind of, like you could just see that he was just yeah. buzzing off his chops to be absolutely, you know, to be to be in there in front of that crowd with like Minoru Suzuki, just oh, great stuff. And and I tell you what, just just the reaction that Suzuki oh, got you know, with with, yeah. with the you know the crowd, you know, 
you sometimes wonder American crowds and you know what's it what's the audience going to be like depending on where you're at and things you know obviously Chicago is known for being a good crowd and being an educated crowd and things like that but yeah to, to see that especially when you, you're coming from a situation where New Japan's been for for so long during the lockdown period and COVID and things like that and club crowds and all that sort of thing to to have that arena just uh, singing on to Kazaninere uh, was just brilliant it was just just hearing that it was just like ah yes this is Minoru Suzuki and like he milked it as well didn't he like coming oh, out yeah. like I love that like he he wasn't rushing out <laughs> he let that song play before he got out there he yeah. he knew he had them people in the palm of his hands yeah. And and um, just uh, Rian in the chat there, just saying about that when when with that first strike when when Mox's blood on Suzuki's neck, that was just like the first. That was just what a visual, what an immediate visual kind of thing of just all that blood down there. It just it looked great, and again, it just really kind of another good example of blood just uh, lifting, just raising the bar of something. Mm. Get a bit of blood in there. I loved it. Like it was just great to have fights as well, you know, popping and popping his top off there to have a little uh, topless brawl, you know, and 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 Predator Moxley for you know putting him over strong and making him, you know, I know it's I know it's Suzuki, so like it sounds like a silly thing to do, but you know, make him look like a threat to the AEW fans who don't know, you know, and and being the one who was who was left laying there to make the point. This is somebody you should be scared of, as as I mentioned earlier. They might be sitting the Olympic boxers who are not very aware of it. When it was Suzuki, I was like, mate, he'll, he'll kill you. Nah, I'd knock him out. I, I'm not sure your words. That's kind of our conversation went. Uh, but, uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. It kind of resembled, I imagine, a couple of lads on County Road on a Saturday <laughs> night, no? Oh, mate, I, I'd, rather, yeah, I'd rather fight them than Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, I've got to be honest. Um, but yeah, it was superb. Well done. And yeah, you know, like I say, I, I, I was one of the people who was like, eh, I don't know about this Kojima match for the pay-per-view. And, you know, there is an argument of, well, if you had Suzuki anyway, you know, why was that at the match? Well, uh, you know, like I say, it worked better this way by doing maybe the lower match and then him coming out to this big reaction. And now you can sell Dynamite on Wednesday. So, you know, it all, uh, might, again, it might be the tale of the show. Might not be the, the way I did it, but the way they did it was probably better. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Um we went from there to um, to Britt Baker and uh, and Chris Statlander. Um, you know, a match where again, you know, we mentioned it on the weekend show, didn't we? JP very uh, critical of the build to this one. You know, there's been angles, there's been I wouldn't even say there's been segments featuring these two women, but has there been an actual story? I'm not 100 percent certain, um, really. Um, and it has been a situation where Chris Statlander, Chris Statlander has been in a losing position from the start. It's hard to book this women division around Britt Baker. She's just so over that, like, you put her in there with a heel, she's going to dwarf the other heel. You put her in there with a baby face, she's going to dwarf the baby face. Like, uh, maybe working with heels is uh, is the better shout. Um, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't say this one didn't work because I think overall it did, even if, you know, um, you know, Britt looked to several notches above Chris Statlander. But again, maybe that's fine. She is the uh, the star of the division overall. And to be honest, one of, uh, one of Britt Baker's better performances recently, I don't think... Uh, you know, that, that's a controversial thing to say. Uh, I don't think there's been a lot of great matches. A lot of it's been who she's been working with. And, you know, Chris Statlander is, is more capable than maybe she's uh, she's given credit for. And they went out there and had a solid, uh, I went 3.25 star match. I gave it three and a half. And, like, I was listening to you two on the weekend show, like, talking about this. And I thought, I was thinking, God, they've been harsh on Chris Statlander when you were, like, <laughs> when you were talking. Like, I, th- I think she's someone who, like, I, I quite enjoy. And I think she's a bit kind of underrated and she doesn't get as, uh, as much credit as she deserves. And I think even in this match, 
I think some of the best stuff in this was 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 Chris Statlander part. You know, she like she had a brutal superplex, and then there was a there was I really enjoyed that spot where Britt had her in the lock jaw, and then she like powered out of it, and she did like that sort of face first like flapjack from the the shoulders. You know, there was a there was a couple of you know really good sort of power moves and things like that that she that, that she did in this, and you know I I just I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it would I thought they meshed really well you know especially kind of coming at it from you know we've talked about the build's been quite quick and not a lot of juice to it sort of thing i think i think the way they worked um, went over well with me it felt again it felt like quite competitive and it felt quite strong and um i think it was for me it was one of these it was it was a match where like Statlander lost, but she the loser gained in this scenario to me. I felt like her stock rose, like despite losing um, at, at, at the end point in in this one, because I feel I felt like she got the opportunity to showcase enough stuff. And this was this was I thought the match itself was put in a position where, like. <laughs> It could have been a death spot, really. You've just had, you know, you you've opened the, you know, you've opened the card where you've had that cracking Eddie Kingston Miro match. You've then just coming off the back of that cracking Suzuki segment with Moxley, um, you know, right before it, and now you bleed into this. This could have been, you know, the piss break, or this could have been, you know, things on a bit of a downturn, and maybe it was positioned there to be a little bit more of a downturn from the, you know, Suzuki spot before you got into the the the, the cage match, but. Again, I think they held they held a certain level that it didn't you know it didn't drop to 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 any low levels or anything like that. That it just kind of made the front end of the card just feel like it had this almost like solid line through to it where everything was good to that point, and then it it kind of almost then you had that where you're like fucking hell, this has been a good start to the pay per view, and now you've got the tag title match steel cage with the books and lucha brothers kind of thing so so again i thought i thought this was an, another positive of this match was that that it held the crowd and there was enough going on in the ring and enough kind of you know star power and development in there to to to, to give you something to be interested in as well and you know again i think it's one of those that are like you look on the app and again it averages out at like 3.48 as well so i've gone three and a half and most people watching it have gone three and a half as well, really. So it's, it was kind of good to see that consensus because on the app often I do sometimes wonder if women's matches do maybe just get like just downrated a little bit more. There's almost that like inherent negative bias, I think, in some instances. But, you know, again, I think I think this is one that, that held up with the masses. Yeah, I agree with loads of that. I went three and a half as well. I thought it was the best of Britt Baker's reign. Really pleasant surprise. Weirdly enough, after being so negative on the weekend show, when I watched Rampage, there was that one spot she did where she caught Jamie Hayter, and I think she had Rebel on her shoulders, and the crowd really popped really big for it. And it was just the point where you go, she's a hell of an athlete. Like, there is a lot there. I don't like the gimmick. Like the gimmick, I can't kind of no, get on board either. with. That's and that is a problem for me. But at the same time, it's not like it's something that necessarily hurts loads. Mm. But I thought this was as good as it was, and and I think the crowd like really helped elevate this again because they didn't allow it to go into a lull. There was always like that kind of bit of momentum and, and and movement, and again it. It worked well, and I think the last time Statlander was in this position was against Nyla Rose, and that was an awful match, if I remember rightly. So I was glad that this one 
was good. But I overall agree the fundamental issue with Britt Baker is that she dwarfs everyone else really in that division. And there isn't anyone who's on her kind of level. And even when we talk about the Casino Battle Royal, like I'm still not convinced that, say, Ruby Soho is. But at the same time, like you've just got to acknowledge that she is a star and she draws good ratings as well. Like, I mean, you know, she's proven at this point for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Always amongst it, you know, when it comes yeah. to like the um the big the big viewership for like the segments and stuff. So yeah. Um and the nice little nod to later with the uh, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh sunrise. sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> uh well yeah uh, i know and i thought that's where we uh, we believe in it but yeah we'll uh we picked up that thread later on but yeah we went from uh from there to a bit of a weird segment with uh andrade and Chavo trying to take credit for travel issues or something um i'm told by the way that uh through my secret source that he is a very uh very uh covid responsible human being so what melts has been putting out to the world and saying that uh, that might have something to do with his uh is not making the pay-per-view. I'm not sure how, uh, how true that is. And he's on Dynamite anyway this week, isn't he? So um, I don't know what's uh, what's uh, what's been lost in, in translation there, what the reason is that uh, the pack hasn't been able to make it. But interestingly, tried to uh, to put the heat um, on there. But yeah, um, we then ended up with, uh, from there, the, what has been a lot of people's uh, match of the night um, and a lot of people's potential match of the year, a lot of people's potential greatest tag match of all time. I've heard, I think I've read every applaud if possible uh, for this next one. Uh, you know, the ceiling was high for Lucha Brothers and, uh, and Young Bucks in a cage and you know, the, the entire building where I, where I was watching this thing at the Hooked On event was going utterly insane for every moment. I think there's a video out there of, uh, of me losing my mind at the, uh, at, at the finish of this thing as well and it was just, it was one of those matches where you just got swept up in it. Like, you know, it, it, it might not be to everyone's taste, you know, um, a match with the with Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks, but I don't know, I'd struggle to be a wrestling fan and not get some form of enjoyment out of this, you know, there were plenty of crazy spots, there were plenty of creative spots in there as well, but all in all, it was just, just unbelievably great, exciting, modern tag team wrestling, like, I went four and a half stars on this, and, you know, I'm not a, I'm not one to break four very often, so you know, I've seen people go five on it and uh, you can probably speak to that, Gareth, there's a lot of uh, high ratings in for this one, but you know, even though I didn't go five, don't let it, don't let me get you wrong, it was uh, definitely a, a match that I absolutely loved and, yeah, I was going absolutely batshit for, for every moment in this. I'm with you, I went four and a half on this as well, uh, I, I mean there was a point when I did wonder, like, is I did wonder, have I seen everything that these teams could possibly ever do to each other at this point in time? Mm-hmm. Like, we've seen the ladder match, we've seen the cage match as well. But I, it was mental. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely mental. It was what I wanted it to be. It, it's, you know, if other people go five because they love that so much, why not? I don't think what can be denied is that these are certainly two of the best tag teams in the world and the young bucks are fucking incredible really nick jackson's facial hair it's been mentioned there in the chat as well by by rian amazing absolutely when he came out looking like that and i have to say like the big entrances made this as well giving like lucha brothers like the proper kind of like like the rappers out there as well at the same time even though the head stuff is a bit weird um (laughs) 
And once they got into it, it was just kind of wild west shit when the from the moment the Bucks tried to run out of the cage and they just flipped Phoenix up and he kicked both of them in the back and then managed to land on his feet. There was a lot of times where I was genuinely in awe of stuff that was going on in terms of leaping around. It was like there just comes a point where you just there's so much of this crazy shit going mm-hmm. on that you just have to let it you just have to kind of embrace it and go along with it because it's just a roller coaster of a ride of a match mm-hmm. and great and back shit and it was different from the other stuff in the card up to that point it was definitely like up there as a as a really big high point and it completely delivered and yeah lucha brothers are great i just hate like you mentioned before about andrade that whole story i wish none of that stuff existed and it was just lucha brothers winning the tag belts why because they're a great tag team they hate the young bucks and they want to match with them you know my fear is it'll get lost in some other weird bullshit in the meantime yeah, I, I was the same as you two. Four and a half for me. Like it's not, not a, you know, on, on the app. It's currently at like four point eight one. It's currently tracking as like the match, the match of the year. It's uh, you know, it's um, getting five stars like flying in all over the place for it. And it's up to like four hundred and fifty ratings at this point as well. And so more to come. So again, it just shows that kind of like strength of positivity and feeling out there for it. And, I have to say, like it's something that we've, you know, I've referenced over the last couple of months as, as we've talked on Spotlight. Like, what the U-turn I've done on the books. Like, they were to me, they were just someone who I'd uh, take them or leave them kind of thing. But I fucking mm. love them now. Like this whole character side is 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 brilliant. I love the fact that there's something new every single time they see them. There's like just that one little thing just to piss you off a little bit more about them or make you think like what a dick they are and like. The Nick Jackson beard. I was laughing my head off. I was just like, for me, it was like superstar Billy Graham kind of thing. That, like the the, oh. the beard there with the blonde and then the black kind of. It just, <laughs> it just, you know, it was giving me like harking, harking that back to me. I was, I was loving it. I was la- laughing my head off, just like what a bell end. But then uh, the pace of this match, the amount of stuff that was going on. It's like one of these where I'm, you know, you kind of like trying to think off memory and then like looking at the old note that you've written here and things, and you just think so much was just going on and it just and how just like slick and smooth obviously they've just worked each other so many times they just know you know they know each other so well but still been like inventive and still being creative and still just doing things that like still get a reaction out of you like there's you know there, there was genuinely things here that you know i'm sat in my living room in the middle of the night by myself where i was like like ooing out loud kind of thing and you know <laughs> like there was a, i think there was a, a thing where i don't know phoenix had it was a bit like like Anthony Pettis, like from the UFC, with like the foot on the side of the cage. I can't remember what he did, but he did like a little walk around the side of the, the cage. I don't know if it was like for an arm drag or something like that, but it, I was just like, oh, like it was just, it just looked class and it just was just, just came across like so different. And obviously, you know, you can't talk about, you know, stuff with that. I mean, that dive off the top of the cage, like the airtime that he got there and just like the picture perfect, like technique of, of, of the dive and everything like that. It just, oh, it just looked absolutely. And amazing, just pure breathtaking stuff. And some of the stuff that Phoenix was doing in this match was just off the off the charts. Like that that lad can just do you know do things that you know you never see anybody else do. I think so. Other things that added to it to to me was obviously the blood. I think with the you know 
Penta's mask and the blood all bleeding oh, through and things like that. That fucking bled, didn't he? Yeah, oh yeah, that that looked great. It was a great visual with that mask seeing all that blood there, and obviously like you know, um, Phoenix. I think Nick Nick got a bit of blood as well, which again it just made it as much as you've got all this spectacular stuff going on. It made it like the fight as well, and then um, I don't know, I had little things cropping into my mind. Like I love the bit where they put Penta's face into that shoe with the thumbtacks and Penta. His mask got stuck in the foot, kind of thing. So again, it just it made it not look like a dummy prop, kind of thing. It made mm-hmm. it look like oh fuck, he's genuinely got his face like <laughs> trapped in this in this shoe with these uh, thumbtacks and so oh, great stuff, really. You know, it, uh, before we came on, I watched the last five minutes again just to kind of refresh my memory because so much had gone on, and I was thinking, oh, I can't wait to just watch the full match again. And I was thinking, you know what? Maybe I will nudge us up to four point seven five because what a lot of fun, like innovative stuff, things that just get you off your chair. You know, if if if, that, if that's not great wrestling, then you know, you know what is? It's funny as well because I, you know, going into this did not buy the, the, the Penta and Phoenix going to win. It just felt to me like a last-minute booking decision. It felt like, you know, uh, they, they seemed to have been leading into doing something with Jurassic Express, and it didn't seem like time to go back to, to this match. It just felt a little bit like a rush decision, but well wrong on that. I mean, I reckon the books will get the belts back eventually. You know, maybe this will be a small break in their reign, but I was with everyone biting on you know, every potential dear fall out there and, you know, loving every spot, like you mentioned there, you know, Phoenix especially, but honourable mention for it coming off the top of the cage and the, the running kick at the uh, at the top of the cage as well, which was far more difficult than it was uh, given credit for uh, in the moment as well. Just unbelievable. Um, like Penta's crim- like crimson mask on, on top of his regular mask. I don't know if you'd, uh, you'd do what he did. God, I, I wasn't a big fan of him going out there and kissing his kids and stuff, cover- <laughs> covering them all in blood. Uh, I don't know. looked traumatised. <laughs> I don't know if Sadie would react to that, Gareth. But, uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a visual. <laughs> uh, but it clearly meant something to them. And, and you know what? The, it was a special presentation for them. You know, the fact they came out with the, uh, the rapper at the start as well. That was cool. Um, and it felt like, you know, we definitely had conversations Conversations or you know, Penton and Phoenix used to the best of their ability in this company, and I still think there's more mileage in them both as a singles act that maybe hasn't been realised yet. But again, fair play to them if they had this in the back pocket and they knew they'd be coming back round um, to books and Penton and Phoenix, and they knew they'd be coming round to to Penton and Phoenix getting a getting a run with the tag belts. Then, well, it's all worthy. Um, and yeah, it's like million great moments in the match. You know, Pet Will mentions there, Penta saving his brother, uh, saving Phoenix for, from the uh, the spikes to spike trainers, which was a, a great moment in itself. You know, like, like again, yeah, definitely was a you know a, a feel good moment in a in a match that was you know a lot of big spots, but you know that gave it a little bit of an emotional stake as well. I'm not shocked that people are going so high on the grappler. How many votes yeah. are they adding at the moment? I mean, because it's it's like you look at it and you think like this is going to be up there at the end of the year. I mean, I'm going to have to go back and watch this as well because obviously it's only it was only on yesterday for fuck's sakes. So like going back and watching it again is absolutely um, essential for it. It, it. it also made me then think, oh God, you could in theory get Punk and Danielson versus the Lucha Brothers. And I'd be perfectly fine with that. You can integrate these two in because it's almost like every once in a while I'll weirdly forget how good Phoenix is in particular and how spectacular he is and really 
he should be a massive star in his own right. And that's not a slight on Penta, who also should be a big star. And I'm, I'm with you, Benno, entirely in that. I think the mileage is in them as as singles acts with Penta as a heel. Like, I think that's that's where you eventually go with that. But Jesus Christ, like, if you ever forget that these guys are great, they're fucking amazing. And the Bucks are, you know, it's a ridiculous argument because it all depends on eras, but it's certainly in the conversation as greatest tag team of all time. Yeah, can't can't dispute that. And I mean, you mentioned in there then the ratings. Yeah, so this is this is tracking at four eight one. It's got four four five ratings have gone in so far. So it's just nudged it above Osprey and Shingo from wrestling Don Taco in May, which was leading the way to be a match of the year at like four point eight. So it's point one ahead of it. But that match only had three hundred and thirty four ratings. So this has already gone over a hundred more ratings than that. And it's, you know, there's there's gonna be more coming in the next twenty-four hours as well. And based on the trend, I can't see, you know, I can't see it going down. I can't see it nipping below that either. So mm-hmm. I think it's um yeah. And those uh I'm not sure how many normally it's like we look for the G one and the G one's the one that where you get a few matches that kind of uh, tip into that top end of the uh, the the list. Not, um, I'm not expecting anything from uh, from there to be challenging it based on based on the list. So you never know. We might have a uh, we might have an AEW match of the year this year. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I was going to say um, from there we went into the. Uh, I know, and it's an unfortunate. This is the thing with the the card placement. This is the hardest thing to do, isn't it? Like what you know, those teams are going to go out there and kill it. You can't put them on before the main events. You can't really put them on before the semi-main events. What do you do? You know, and they went early with it, um, and I do think it had a little bit of an effect on reactions to a couple of matches um, later mm. on. One of which being this that immediately followed it, the Casino Battle Royale. Um, I'm not a fan of these matches in general. I mean, I've looked at this. I gave it a three star on the app. That feels generous. The average is two point eight seven. I don't enjoy the layout of these things. I don't like the, the deck card stuff. Yeah, to be honest, it felt like, it. and I, it's probably not fair to you know the fact that you know all the women that are in there that this felt like such a piss break match. But to be fair, so did the men's one. Um, the last time they they did one of these things, um, the Ruby Soho debut is very well done. You know, giving her the music and giving her the full superstar presentation. Uh, I'm a little bit higher on the you know potential of doing something with her, with her and uh, and Brick than maybe you know yourself is, is JP. I think that's probably the way you go now. And I kind of mm-hmm. thought as soon as that was rumored that she was going to be the uh, the wild card here, the Joker card, that that it would almost certainly be the direction to go because I didn't really see much strength in the uh, at least at the top end uh, of the uh, the women in this battle royal that, that could have been somebody else who could have uh, could have challenged Brit, but yeah for me it was all about getting that uh, ruby soho debut out the way and for me yeah it was the unfortunately place match that, that had to follow what came before it i don't know if you guys have got particularly strong thoughts on it i would say with this i went three stars but i think it succeeded a lot more in mm. what it needed to do i agree with you on the format and the layout i dislike it the casting is pointless a waste of time just have it as a fucking battle royal and just have them run in, in intervals. Mm. Just don't call it a Royal Rumble for copyright mm. reasons, but just do a Royal Rumble. I think with it, like it, it did what it needed to do. So, for example, Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill is is set up. 
I thought the Ruby Soho Thunder Rosa stuff was really good. And I loved the crowd reaction and how much they were like kind of with Thunder Rosa as well. As someone they're really into. I was like, oh, get in. She looked great as well, didn't she? She did. Mm-hmm. And like, you forget how important she is to that division. So that's, uh, you know, going down a, a Ruby Soho um, Thunder Rosa path, I'm kind of fine with um, as well. And I thought Ruby so- Soho looked fine in, in this. There's always that element of, of I imagine, nerves and it's a difficult environment to come into is that kind of battle royal um and really what i would say for it is like for the first half it as the first full dexter card came in it wasn't really it was kind of like okay but not mm. really that interesting it was only when she got in that all of a sudden it kind of raised and then you had a series of contenders and you could see when certain people went i was fascinated more by the reactions to like the aw homegrown people so when anna jay went the crowd disliked it really didn't like it when ty conti went and i think you know that's a couple of of good good signs in there as well um there's there's a lot of dross like i i never need to see the bunny wrestle ever again for the rest of my life emmy sakura i don't know what was all that all that was about and hikara shida felt i don't know like she kind of lost something it's very strange it's like maybe it was just me i mean the crowd kind of reacted but she felt like not like an important factor in this match and she is someone that you would have kind of wanted to be at the end there i think to kind of set up four or five people that you're gonna focus on the most but it did the job it needed to do and the reaction was great and the music is you know worked brilliantly for it as well so i like this more than pet both of you i went 3.25 and i know that's like well above the the average as well like i i got a lot out of this match i think you know where i talked about like the flow of the show i thought it i think the nature of the match like the the the, the way that it worked was probably the best possible scenario that you could have possibly had coming off the back of that books mm. uh, match there that you were just getting kind of something that was quite fast pace, fast pace, quite fast moving, getting lots of faces out there in front of people and things like that. So it was, it was almost kind of like quite distracting and it had quite, quite a lot of energy to it, the match, which, which, you know, if if this had just been two women out there wrestling kind of thing, I could see that they, it might have like dipped. But I think because of the because of the the nature and tempo of the match, it, it it sort of kept things going and seemed to keep the crowd up as they got behind certain wrestlers or got hyped to see certain ones who came out. But I thought there was just some good stuff generally in there, like Red Velvet on entry, like she hit. Jamie Hayter with one of the best spears I've ever seen. She nearly cut her in half. It was like, I don't know if it was about the way that Velvet hit her or the way that Hayter sold it, but God, it was it was like up there with, <laughs> I was like literally like fucking hell when she when she hit her. It like we came through the screen. I thought that was ace. I absolutely loved the stuff with um, Tay Conti and Penelope Ford, like where they were doing the judo um, elements to, to that and doing the judo throws. I thought those two came through on that uh, as having you know like really strong chemistry there with those i thought the things with you know nyla rose and jake cargill came came through strong i thought thunder rosa looked like an absolute superstar and you know she's she's one of my favorite wrestlers i was i was disappointed that she didn't win how <laughs> like i think that was one of the the negatives as as over as you know as good a sort of thing it was with ruby soho coming in Kind of, I never like the new person coming out on top on their on their first uh, first appearance in something mm. like this, and and I was very much kind of thinking, 
I don't know. When it got down to that, I probably I was thinking Thunder Rose is going to win here, and I was starting to think, yes, looking forward to the next Britt Baker Thunder Rose match here because Rose is just, you know, she's she's well over with the AW crowd. She's fucking great in ring, and you know, she's someone who I just want, you know, want to see more and more of in those in those top positions there. But for me, there was lots of little elements within this match that just 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 worked real well to me, and you know, it was good to see. You know, Ruby Soho, as much as um, as as it wasn't the right result for me, she was someone who, again, clearly, you know, the crowd were were behind her. She looked like she was going to add a bit more depth to the division. She was another mm. new matchup with someone who's experienced to throw in there as well. And um, yeah, just 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 generally, I haven't got a lot of negative to say about this, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you definitely. As like. Say if you're gonna, you had to put something there. You can almost get away with it with this match, with it having you know the entrances and not being structured like a like a traditional match. So no, definitely, definitely agree there. Like I think again, it was another win for you know car placements. I suppose. Uh, I mean, that, you, you probably do the least damage with this. What I would say is the the match that followed it. <laughs> I don't know Jericho MJF. I don't know at this point in his career you can put Chris Jericho on a card later than a match like that young picture of this match. Okay, I feel like he needs to learn a lesson from Cody. Remember that, like Cody, they always like like the Dustin match. It'd be like second on the card. He'd make sure he got out there before the do your emotional story match that you're trying to do before you know the the, the work rate lads get out there and kill it. Um, but maybe it's not all placement. Maybe it's just the match as well. You know, as we said on the weekend show, JP, I think on. Oh, reservations about the uh the build to this match and the fact that you know it wasn't the fifth labor of jericho and they already gave a match away on tv not long ago kind of killed my interest in it i didn't buy the step either you know as much as much as i feared the idea of jericho going full-time on commentary and they almost got me with it overall it was like come on chris jericho is not losing his career in the middle of a card on a rando not a rando chicago people you know what i mean a chicago pay-per-view where he's going to be at best you know third fourth from top um it's not happening and it didn't happen so maybe that maybe that goes to some way why i didn't buy into it i loved mjf uh trolling at the start with the uh with the jericho countdown um that was that was a lot of fun uh i thought mjf was uh, was pretty good in the match i think you know they did I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the job they did with, with Rusev and Eddie Kings, and it felt like they tried to do a similar job here in protecting Jer- uh, protecting MJF and giving him the visual pin and doing the whole, you know, Jericho's foot was on the ropes thing to to give him a little bit of a, an out and to be able to say, you know, we've beaten Jericho that many times and this particular win didn't count for Jericho. But it felt a little bit like, though, as well, they had to do it because, well, Jericho wasn't retiring. So it was like, well, don't book yourself into a corner there and do a, a match where retirement is the stipulation. Um I don't know. Just a, a bit odd the build to this one. It probably goes some way to explain why I wasn't into it. And I do think the more methodical place of it, pacing of this, which you kind of have to do, you know, with Jericho in 2021. And it's not as if, you know, MJF's a particularly fast worker either. This, for me, suffered more than the uh, the, the, the women's uh, casino battle royal um, for placements and having to come at this point in the card. I think they might have gotten away with it earlier on. But at this point in the night, I don't know if we, we needed the matches as plodden as this. I just blame them. Like I, I, I really do. Like you know, if we look back at the TV match, mm. whether that was was that last week we were talking about this or the week before, mm. and there was like one of the big criticisms for me with that there was there was just no juice. It was just a bit flat. It was like it you've was. gone through all this thing. You've had this heated feud for essentially that's built for twelve months or something like that, and there was just no intensity to it, and it just didn't. The the hatred didn't come through, and the the like. 
the violence, you know, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like they were, you know, the the levels of hatred that they should have for each other at this point wasn't translating in the way that they were working with each other in the match. And then that translated to this as well. Like I was thinking, all right, well, they've had the TV match like that. This is going to be the one where they come out and it's like absolute, you know, ball to the wall. And, the, you know, they're really sort of getting that intensity and getting that hated across. And they just didn't achieve it at all. Like, and, and, and I was left there just, I was kind of, again, you're at that point where it's kind of the middle of the night and I was thinking, oh, am I, am I just getting, in, am, I, am I a bit tired kind of thing here? Is this starting mm. to, am I flagging here and it's not them kind of thing? But, and I was sort of, I was trying to, like, I was like, well, no, they're not doing what they, they, they should be in this scenario. And I, I couldn't, I was thinking, I couldn't make it out. I was like, is it, is it MJF? Is it Jericho? Like, but for, for me, it's just ended up, the, this whole feud has just ended up just been a, massive wet fart to me the way it's ended and i know it's something where you know we talked about wanting it to finish sooner than it did it dragged out it got a bit of something behind it with the way it was dragged out with these labors and things like that but this just felt like just a match like this was like to me this was like moxley against kojima or something like that you know it was just throw two guys out kind of thing as opposed to the culmination of this absolutely massive and central storyline to AEW for the last 12 or 18 months. And it just, it just felt like, yeah, whatever. And, you know, they, they worked how they worked and there was, you know, there was, there was, there was good little bits in the match and things like that. But it was like, I've, I've given it three, but it was like 2.75 to three for me kind of thing. It was, it was, it was on the lower end of the end of that scale, really. I just, um, yeah, it was it was it was the it was the first point on the card that was the down point to me, and I and I was thinking I really shouldn't be lower on MGF Jericho than the women's casino battle royal, but I am. I fucking enjoyed what I've just watched more than I enjoyed this. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say I gave it three point two five, but I did watch it with the the world's biggest Chris Jericho fan, so maybe that added a point two five of emotional involvement. But yeah, I, I can't argue with anything you just said, guys. I went 3.25. I feel bad, like, because I, I don't disagree with the sort of lack in the violence in it and stuff, but maybe it was just me in the cold light of day. I kind of enjoyed this, almost watching it in isolation, relatively fresh, so to speak. Um, and I have to say, like, there's a couple of spots in it that I, I kind of liked from it. I did like the one where the count out spot, and there was a point when, like, you could tell there were people in the crowd who were kind of going along with it. And he only got up on nine. And yeah, it's kind of hokey and the rest of it. But I thought, you know, some of the sort of the earth counters near the end, I kind of, I I enjoyed it. I thought I enjoyed it overall, but that's not, but that's partly because I really disliked the last match and I didn't like blood and guts. And there's been like, as we've spoken about at length, there's been large parts of the storyline that I've not liked. So I felt more relieved. I think I viewed it from the sense of, has this kind of done anything to harm the show? No, I'm kind of fine with it and I'm still with it. All right, then that's good. Like I almost put it into the category like I did with some of the other matches of this was better than I thought it would be because I had, I had very low expectations going in. But I would say from now on, MJF needs to be in there, A, with someone else and someone else a better worker. He needs to wrestle more. When's he wrestling? He, does he never works. to wrestle, yeah. I get like there's guys you keep back to be a special attraction, but this is a wrestler who needs to get better. You know, we had the I can remember having this conversation years ago, JP, on, on this podcast about like MJF, you know, he's the future, but 
in ring, he's not quite there and he's going to need some work to get there. Let's hope AEW give him house shows or more MLW appearances or anything. And if anything, he's doing less than ever, isn't he? I don't really, really understand it. Christian Cage, that's what he needs next. You know what? Even I'll co sign yeah. up. You know what? I'll take that. I think it might be Punk, though. I do think Punk's the feud. I think that he could be the one to bring out the venom out of CM Punk. Maybe yeah. not right away, though. Maybe a little uh, stopgap with, uh, with Christian or something. Um, but yeah, strange. They, they treat him, they do treat him like they protect him, like he's a main eventer and give him like a main eventer schedule. Mm. But I don't know. There's some wrestlers who need reps and he'd be top of my list. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, going from there, lads, the uh, the format of this is, is, is worked perfectly because we talked about Darby Allen versus CM Punk and we referred to it as the, the semi-main event alien. We covered our thoughts on that. We talked about what we called the uh, the main event in uh, in Christian and, uh, and Kenny Omega, the post-match of that. But what we left out, lads, was the, right there in the middle of that, <laughs> we did have the, what was actually the semi-main event on this show. Somehow, QT Marshall versus Big Show. Now, I will say, and I think I can predict, Gareth, I think this is another one where like, I, I agree with you. The card placement-wise, yeah, you need a cool-down match. If this has to be on the card, this is the spot for it. I would question whether it has to be on the card. Like, as soon as Big Show came out there and started hitting those crap chops, like, and it's just like, I've seen this on so many shit WWE previews. All these is a giant steel chair or a giant ladder or whatever gimmick Extreme Rules pay-per-view it was that month that he was stinking up. I don't need to see this. Like, put it on Dark or something if he wants to work some matches. It was, again... If I was given this card on this night and said, arrange these matches, this is one where I go, yeah, this belongs somewhere like that to take the heat before, you know, uh, the proper main event comes on. But I still question, yeah, Big Show being in ring and QT Marshall as selfless as he is in as many matches as he loses. And this thing apparently only went three minutes. I still wouldn't have him in this position on TV in general or doing any of this. Um, but hey, it was a good piss break. This was... Um... This was Owen Hart against Skinner from WrestleMania 8 <laughs> before before you've got Hogan against Sid Justice. Just That's in case you run out of time, we'll cut it. <laughs> it's tucked in there yeah. nicely. Have a quick slash there. You've had yeah. a few high spots before uh, before you've had a in the same way that you've had Bret Hart against Roddy Piper and you've had Flair Savage, you've had the Bucks and Lucha Brothers, you've had the uh, the CM Punk match. There you go. Go and get go and have a quick slash before uh, Kenny Omega's out for the main event. That's you know very much what it felt like, and it was uh, you know it was one of them. It's nothing that you're ever going to be excited to see when you you see those two names on the card. But again, for what it was, it was as long as it needed to be. It did what it needed to do. It was a essentially a you know just a shitty little angle, and I was fine with it. If this had gone ten minutes, I'd be fuming. But it was one of them yeah. where it was just like, yeah, all right, yeah. QT sees his ass. There you go, kind of thing. Like, just a f- just whatever. For for some people, I'm sure a fun little something. Just seeing the big show for me, yeah. You know, I don't I need to see it, but it didn't do me. It didn't give me pain. I don't want to meet them people who found it fun. It gave me pain. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long three minutes. What you rated it? Actually, one star. I gave it one. I'm generous. Oh, yeah, I. I accepted the nature of why this match was here to break up two of the hotter matches, like two of the bigger matches, I should say. Mm. That's the only benefit I'm getting from it. There are other ways to fill that time a lot more constructively. 
maybe if it was Big Show versus, I don't know, someone who was Aaron Solo, who could do a load of stuff and flip around and bump like a motherfucker maybe for a minute and a half. But he didn't look good. He didn't look good at all. What I would say, and this is the only point of praise, I don't think his theme music's the worst. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> it's got the world. Oh, are you talking about music? No, no, no. It's the, the new Big Show one. We're, we're big show on there's no no more bs as he says all over it and it starts off like it's going to be where's the big mm. show but then it doesn't it goes in a different direction i like that little tease good again that's the that's possibly the net benefit from this match <laughs> the, the real the, man the, the only the only thing there was his uh uh Paul White's gear made Punk's gear look a little bit better because that full sort of zip up front thing kind of thing on what uh, what he was wearing just looked mm. looked very very odd and not the right kind of outfit that um, a seven foot odd four hundred pound man should be wearing really. But, um, Black but, singler. Yeah, when you're trying that hard to hide things, it just makes them stand out more, doesn't it? It's a bit like what they keep doing with JD Drake. He looks like fucking Ro- Amish Roadkill now, doesn't he? Like he just yeah, so afraid yeah, to put he does. in a singlet. Like just let him wear a singlet. No one cares. He's fat, so like it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> if anyone can be fat at him. Yeah, have you ever seen King Kong Bundy or Kamala? Like, I mean, seriously, these big lads, Earthquake. Yeah, who at the age of I don't know twenty two. So, like, 1990, he was 27. That still fucking occasionally shocks me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, like I say, this match was made even worse for me because I like was one of the few knew Anthony Agogo wasn't in America, you know, because that was the main <laughs> justification. At least if that's what it's going to, that makes sense. And he's not even there. He's watching it on TV with the stick out to it. Just like wanting to crime through the TV and uh, knock Big Show out. That would have been a way to go, but sadly not. Um, like Ringu. Okay, yeah, <laughs> but it just makes even less it's sense why this match is kind of on the card in general. It just it it was weird. I'm glad it's over. I just don't need to see QT Marshall on TV anymore. Let him go on dark and do what he wants. Um, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, he'll he'll continue to fill his name in on the empty slots on the the Monday sheet. That's my theory anyway. That factory stuff should only be happening on AEW Dark. Mm. I can get the reason for it from again from a storyline perspective. To have and if someone there, gets but... hot, fair enough, but like not yeah. hot. Like, but yeah. yeah, without a go go, it loses something entirely. Like I thought, Camera, I thought, oh, he's a good look about him. Just, just really, just a big airy bloke, isn't he? At yeah. this point, that's a better. But um, yeah, I suppose it's uh, not to end on a negative. But overall, great pay per view, though, guys. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> oh yeah, it was the one. What a what a what a show! Like I rewatch, I did rewatch it today, and I don't often rewatch stuff. I want to do partly for the podcast, but partly for my own enjoyment. Like I could probably yeah. watch that. You know, that Eddie Kingston Miro match, the Punk Derby match, and the Lucha Brothers Young Bucks tag. Like their matches, I'm absolutely going to keep going back to because so much fun and. The moments at the end of the night as well. Never mind, the, you know, the videos uh, post show, which I've seen a couple of as well. Just yeah, all 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 must rewatch stuff and just yeah, it, it felt like a it felt like a big night last night. Definitely, definitely, just just felt like yeah. Again, it was one of those where just the experience as well of of watching it live and having like your Twitter feed going and things like that as well at the same time. It kind of just felt like a refreshing celebration of wrestling which you don't very often get these days and you know you certain certainly don't often get on social media and I, I think one of the one of the things that didn't reference previously was 
just that excitement that I had just in the build-up. It was like it's Sunday night mm-hmm. and I know that I'm going to work on one hour's sleep and like I'm sitting up all night to watch a pay-per-view on a Sunday night and I couldn't wait for it. I was I was so excited, like, you know, just thinking about the, the punk side of things, thinking about some of the matches, the anticipation of is so-and-so going to show up or is there anybody else? What are the other surprises? What are the little things that they might do here from an angle point of view? And, uh, God, just... Uh, just to feel like that about wrestling again is is absolutely absolutely great. Like it's 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 so good. Like it, you know, this thing that we invest so much bloody time into, kind of thing, and these these moments of feeling like this are just so few and far between. But yeah. fucking hell, they're worth it when you do get them. Definitely, and still Wednesday to come. Friday after that, like Punk said in his promo, exciting times and most exciting of all. Yeah, Thursday night when we get. See the ratings uh, from Wednesday, as you said earlier, Gareth. But no, hot time to be a, a wrestling fan, and let's hope uh, AW continue to uh, to push on from here. Because tell you what, lads, after we've raved about AW there for uh, for two and a bit hours, we've uh, we've actually left ourselves a, a little bit of time here to uh, talk about when promotions aren't so hot. Uh, I've got to be honest, I've not seen old AW. Oh, the AW that we then we'll be all biased. To New Japan, JP. That's yeah. what people used to say. Um, exactly. Those days are fucking gone, aren't they? I haven't watched a minute of New Japan programming from this weekend. And if I did, I'd watch Strong. Um, God, I just can't be asked for this promotion right now. And it was so funny at the weekend when the, when these G1 box got put out. It was just like, how, how is that B-block real? Like, I just looked at that B-block and threw my hands up. Like, if you don't know, listen to this. Jeff Cobb. Evil, Goto, Okada, Chase Owens, Sonada, Taichi, oh, Tanahashi, Tamatonga, Yoshihashi. That's the B-block. Like, oh, like I said on Twitter, I will watch Okada, Tanahashi. I might watch combinations of them with Cobb or Goto or you know, maybe Taichi if I hear a good review. But fuck me, the rest of that group is rotten. I mean, the A block isn't looking much better. Great Okan, Kota Ibushi, Ishii, Kenta. Then you get into your Tango Lowers. Um, Yuji, Yujiro Takahashi's in there. Yano's in there, of course, taking up a spot, as always. But we do have Zack Sabre Jr. Um, and Naito and Shingo in there, too. So, you know, there's definitely uh, more potential positive matches on the uh, on the A side, but even that's not looking particularly fresh. And I don't know. I don't know if anything, anything JP sums up 2021 New Japan like that B block. I think the days yeah. of the most wonderful time of the year and me and you, you know, re- recording every week and covering every one of these matches and being completists about this. And obviously, Gareth, you're a com- completist yourself as well. Those days are over. I'm not doing it this year, and no. I've got—I I don't think our, our listeners are going to be missing out by us not. Absolutely not. Stating that categorically for the record, like mm-hmm. I looked at this, and the first thing I was like, "Oh fuck off!" And then I did think, "All right, well, I've now I've got a great excuse not to watch any like so much of this now to kind of miss because it's." I watched some of those shows this weekend. It's mm-hmm. incredibly depressing. I just looked at this as like G1 Black Mirror style. It's like a kind of tortured version of what we used to watch, where it's these these kind of same matches on a loop, where in not front even of the clapping crowds in front of clapping crowds, yeah, and in in horribly empty arenas as yeah. well. So it just looks so depressing. 
And I can't, I, do you know what? I look at Block A and I go, Ibushi Ishii, I'm sure it'd be a great match. I've seen it. Every, all of these big matches we've seen. We've mm. seen all of them. We've seen mm. all of the combinations. We're at that end. Like, mm. And don't get me wrong. There is a point where they can have a big influx of talent, like external talent, and possibly like, although if you're Minoru Suzuki, you're, you're fucking dodging a bullet. Like, but it's it's almost like if they said we'll have one block in Japan and one block in the US, I'd have been so happy with that as a mm. weird kind of concept because my God, like that US block would be something. And then at least the Japanese block would just be pure class. Mm. Instead, there are times when you look at like even the A block and you think, well, how different are the matches that Yujiro, Toriyanu and Tangaloa are going to have? Yeah, you might quibble around the edges, but bullshit, all said. Yeah? Mm. Then... You know, how much of an effort is Naito going to be putting in there? You're relying on Shingo and, like, Ibushi. And if you saw Ibushi this weekend, he's only just getting back. I mean, he's obviously very emotional, but he's not as muscular and defined as he was before because he's been seriously ill. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be going into a G1. You know, it's it's asking a lot on a physical basis for that. It's depressing. Mm-hmm. I'm picking, This is where the grapple app really comes in handy. Because for mm. those people who do watch it and you see the reviews, you're at least going to get some idea of picking and choosing. Or what is more likely, you're going to look at a day where there might be three star matches, each of which, I don't know, seem to last at least like near time limit draws because that's the way we're going with this company as well. Um, yeah, it is. It, it, it's fucking atrocious. Those G1 lineups, they're really bad. And they could have brought in it outsiders. It's only them who's stopping that. Mm. They could have freshened it up with some juniors. It's yeah. only them. them. Yeah. What the fuck? That's like the fourth year in a row we've said that now. This year of Desperado, all Yeah. Who fits in perfectly with that. Mm. They choose not to do that. Mm. They they could have less people in the blocks, but yeah. they choose we not to do what? it because of this policy of we have to have a certain amount of shows. Therefore, we need to have a certain amount of matches that are going on those shows as well. Mm. This is, uh, so, so much of this is really uh, makes you angry because it's very self-inflicted. I know COVID has an impact, but mm. the way they've reacted to it, particularly in recent weeks, it, it's been ridiculous. And, you know, we spoke about Ghetto being burnt out before this kind of period and various things about the kind of downturn of it. Well, like, what's going to burn out his booking more? So he's having to go through all of this at a ridiculous pace where nothing seems fresh. It's yeah. a really desperate time. You know what he's got to look forward to after doing that, after booking this? Three Tokyo Dumps. <laughs> January 4th, 5th and 8th or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> we need three, apparently. Oh. It's so short-sighted. Yeah. Like, by doing this... All you're doing is you're squeezing that fan base you have to a ridiculous degree. It's a point that WH Park often brings up on post PRS, where he just says, "There's only they've only got a certain amount of money, and these shows aren't cheap going to all of them." And you saw it in full effect at the MetLife Dome because they weren't even selling out. What is the the allocation? It's two and a half thousand in a fucking what thirty odd thousand seat of baseball stadium. It's embarrassing. They've been outdrawn at Kurikan by the likes of, I think, Sendai Girls and Marvelous. Like, and they're doing, they're running so many of these shows to get these tickets. But do you know what? They'll almost be better investing in the US lot because, as I said in the pre show, and I reviewed the 
New Japan strong match and how Alex Kozlov tried to ruin it. There's at least stuff on those US tours that you think I'm interested in that. It feels at least somewhat fresh. There's it's Japanese. The Japanese side of it is terrible. And it's amazing how that turn of event has gone on. Um, yeah. I mean, that's such a, like you saying there, JP, like, I, I never even thought about that idea of having a US block and a Japanese block, but it's such a good idea that like they mm-hmm. so should have done it. It would have just freshened things up. And like, you know, I was obviously saying in the pre-show about watching that AAW show and like Juice Robinson's on it. And you just think even someone like that who, yeah, by no means am I like going to be like mega excited to be seeing Juice Robinson. It's just something a bit different again at this stage you know there's 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 lads over here that uh, in america that they can they can use and just freshen it up because even when you look there and you talk about like the a block being better than the b block like boosh is fucked like we seeing him the other day like he was god he struggled to go the you know the length of time that he, that, that he did and it was a it was a short match you can tell he's just 18 been, like, minutes back and he, he put, yeah, he shouldn't be working. Like it was just so evident shouldn't that he shouldn't either. be working. Is 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 clear? Is is his own health? It's just a risk putting him through this this level of matches. Naito's in that block. You know, he's going to phone it in for five or six of these matches. You know, he's he's probably not going to take his t-shirt off for fucking half of them. You know, so he's he's not going to be that arsed. Other people that you've got in the block there, like Tangaloa, Yujiro, Great Okan, Toriano. Shit, that's half a block. Shit. And, and there's there's no argument about it. Like you know, they've just repeatedly just be shit in these in, in these tournaments. Yeah. Why are they going to change suddenly? And it's like what combination? You know, having them in any combination is it going to make it any more appealing and make you want to watch it? Like no, absolutely not. So even the supposedly better A block looks awful. And then yeah. like you look at the B block and. Like, if you think about it, how long ago was it that we were looking at blocks in a G1 and you'd see Yoshihashi on there and you'd be like, oh, you could, you could just get rid of Yoshihashi. And like, mm-hmm. if so-and-so was in instead, like, oh, that, that, that'd be really good. It would really improve things. I was looking at that B block and like, Yoshihashi is like my fifth favorite person. That B block. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like yeah. looking at the people below him. I was thinking, well, Mate, I'd, I'd rather be fucking workhorse in there. I was, I was thinking I'd rather be watching him than Evil or Tamatonga Tama or Chase Owens or yeah, like, fuck, you just, it's, it's ridiculous. And like as, as I look at that list as a whole, I was trying to think like, what am I actually excited about when it comes to New Japan? I think Jeff Cobb maybe is someone who's from the bits that I've seen in the last few months is somebody who's kind of like sparked a bit of interest in me. And it's like Jeff Cobb, <laughs> like that is the most exciting thing to get about in New Japan. It's a thing yeah. to be excited about is Jeff Cobb, like. All right, like he's you know he's he's, he's decent. ECW enough, but, regular Jeff Cobb, but, no? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, think how many times we've 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 seen him, and there's there's only a certain oh, amount of uh, excitement that uh, that Jeff Cobb's going to bring to a card, even when he's got his uh, his working boots on. He's not going to turn around the fortunes of uh, New Japan anytime soon, is he? You know, it's just uh, it's unbelievable. And like you know, like you said about them two sh- them shows at the uh, at the MetLife okay. Dome this this weekend, oh, like. I made the mistake of watching day one and like complete as Gareth strikes again. <laughs> I'm like, they had the, there was a match on there. How long did it go? I think it went 28 minutes and it was Chase Owens against Toriano yeah. for 28 minutes. And like, and a I, hard gave it, match. I gave it one star and it's got like 1.3 stars on the app. So like, and, and I will say this, there's only 50 people rating it. 
And like there was a point, there was a point where I'm putting it on the app, and it's like there's there's title matches going on here in New Japan this weekend in a in a big show in a dome over two days, and like literally this stuff had been on the app for like hours afterwards, and there was like twelve ratings in there and things, and you're just like nobody's watching it, nobody cares, and then that's when I like worry like oh is like people just stopping like using the app or something like that and then you get an aw show like this and you get all these hundreds of ratings come flooding in like within a 24-hour period and you're like oh no people are still coming in and still rating stuff because it's the stuff that they want to watch and the stuff that's interesting new japan's just interesting to absolutely nobody at this stage like for me to then turn around and like literally look on the sunday and be like okay we've got a card here and you've got like You've got an IWGP title match. You've got a junior heavyweight title match. You've got a tag team title match. And there's people who, you know, I do like, you know, Zack Sabre Jr., Robbie Eagles, Hiromu, and just, like, waving my hands at it and just going, do you know what, I'm, I'm just not watching it. It's just, I don't care. It's 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 irrelevant. Why would I watch it? It almost, feel, it almost felt like, on the back of watching day one, like deciding to watch SummerSlam or deciding to watch fucking, you know, Extreme Rules or something like that. It's almost like tipped into that category for me now where it's just like, it just feels extremely unimportant. It feels extremely repetitive. It feels completely without consequence. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like, what a quick turnaround. Like, it it was the best wrestling on the planet, (laughs) what, three years ago? Two and a half years ago? Like, it's frightening. Absolutely frightening. Terrifying, and that shows how quickly things change. Like JP said earlier, and you know the the, the plaudits. I'm almost. I'm not going to say I'm glad, but like, I'll take the time off. I'll take not watching yeah, the G1. Yeah. I feel justified you know in it. You know, if it was slightly better, I'd be like, ah, oh, maybe I have to. You know, maybe I have to sit through time. But as it is, if I tried to watch this thing, do you know how much money my local Greg's would get? Like I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd be in the house. Like I'd be out every two minutes because there'd be some cunt in this big block coming out of I can't stand Ooh. if it was fucking. It's not Chase Owens. It's fucking Sonata. If it's not Sonata, mm. it's it, it's you know any other cunt in that list. Hamatonga. It's just it's rough. And yeah, I think they are. The, the other thing is, you know, I mentioned this on Twitter at the weekend. Uh, me and Steph did the uh, True Heel Heat. Don't be fooled by the name. Fantastic podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's very similar to, to what we do here. And, I, you know, I've done it for the last couple of AW pay-per-views in a row on a Saturday afternoon. And when they're doing their live podcast, like we are, they show images on the screen of like, and these are media images. These are stock images that New Japan released to the media, like for, for use in journalism or whatever. And they, they put them on the screen and they got dinged by New Japan for copyright multiple times to the point they almost lost their channel. So they've had to, they literally put stick figures up now whenever they're talking about New Japan. They use actual graphics for everyone else, but they don't for New Japan. And like the reason I mention it is like that's been the story this weekend. People, the, the poor 50 odd people, you know, probably are putting those ratings into Grapple and the poor, you know, people on Twitter who are still tweeting about these New Japan shows or reviewing them or putting GIFs online or videos or where still photos, screenshots of the show are getting takedown notices. And I know it's TVSI and not New Japan, but New Japan's getting all of the negative publicity over. And it just, it adds to this picture of like, do you actually want us watching it? Because it feels like you really don't. It feels a bit triple A, JP. And like, oh yeah, we want to mm. we want to get Kenny Omega as our champion, but you fuckers can't watch the pay-per-view though. You know, don't be yeah. silly. Because we're too busy suing ourselves. Yeah. Whereas New Japan's like, we've got New Japan USA, we've got all the mm. got all these wrestlers making them busy. We're, we're setting up shows and stuff. But like 
we don't actually want you to engage with the product or talk about it or to be interested in it. Like, I don't know what the... It does feel like a company in complete disrepair right now. You know, the booker and the booker's got one idea, the people putting the, the scheduling together have got other mm. ideas and they're trying to recoup money that they, they've clearly lost over the pandemic. But, you know, to quote a wise man, this is not the way. I've, um, I've got a plan anyway, lads. We're going to do the end one. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that looks better. That does look better. Sorry, guys, the headset yeah. was breaking up there because I hear what you said. Right. I'm still scared from Whatever Stardom. Whatever you talk about, you and JP, I'll have a great time. Well, <laughs> Stardom also did the rematch of Shuri versus Hayashishita. Oh, JP is completely dropped off the corner. Oh, I can't hear it. Nah, fuck <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I like. I have to say, there is like that sense of relief of, oh, dear. There's. N-. I looked at that block and I thought, well, there's no way Benno's watching that. And I think then you oh, tweeted like a, two hours after I did, went, not fucking watching this. And I just thought, Yep, perfect. It's already decided. It's like there's no way for that to be the case. The only unfortunate person is Gareth has to then put these all into the app as well. So it's not like Gareth gets away with it, unfortunately. He never does. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 a reminder about when this stuff falls, the pace it falls. And once things kind of start to kind of like you're falling out of that public consciousness and then you've got kind of another promotion coming along that's you know much more exciting and it might be the like the kind of new shiny object in wrestling but i'll say this as time goes on new japan need them mm. like need them badly and they've got to hope that people like danielson are real business movers for them it, when they're able to get them in as well and i feel sorry for that because i don't want them going to a shit new japan i want yeah, them to, go to the new japan of 2017 that'd be fucking great but no, it's 2021, so they'll be paired with Evil and Sonada. <laughs> and it'll be like, oh, that, those pricks. Let's see how they ruin everything you like. It's mm. like, oh, CM Punk's going to work in New Japan. That's exciting. Yeah, we'll put him up against this dull twat with a head like a fucking lion. Like, <laughs> bullshit. You can get hit in the balls. That's what we should do. We can have, we can have a fantasy G one ball shot tournament, and instead of like tipping the uh, tipping the winners and getting the outcome, we can mm. just try and tip how many times um, somebody gets hit in the nuts in the whole tournament, and whoever gets closest to the pin um, can I don't know win something. That's sort of, that, that problem because because uh, you know be there's going to how many matches is is there going to be? There's going to be at least fifty percent of them are going to have a fucking ball shot in them. I hope to never find out, mate. Genuinely. Uh, <laughs> what would you like slap fighting then? And just did kick <laughs> each other in the knackers. At least be over quicker. It's like fight G1, that could work, JP. Could oh, great. watch them keep the half-hour time limits. <laughs> Why not? We'll push that a couple of times, and I'll do it with you. Because it feels like... Uh, and you've got to blame Ghetto for the booking. Mm. Like, again, could put juniors in there. Doesn't always have to have as many fucking pointless undercards. There's lots of interesting singles matches they could do. But heaven forbid we put on a singles match that doesn't have a fucking title and doesn't involve one of the big stars there. Mm-hmm. And I have to say Cobb versus Okada was good, but I was sad because it's not happening to any kind of reaction. Mm. And it's like, I looked, at, I did think, I thought, mate, this is the best you've ever looked. And it's it's sad, it's happening now. And I felt the same thing with Robbie Eagles. Mm. Like Gareth mentioned, the rest is you like, you just feel sorry for him having to work in this kind of environment. But for those people wanting to go back and watch stuff, don't. It's depressing. Mm. <laughs> oh, there you go. New Japan. <laughs> and that will be the extent they get caught for the next while. Um, 
Well, we got a little bit of time. I did tease earlier. I might uh, talk about Rev Pro. Do you want to hear about uh, that show? Please. Uh, not a huge amount to say. Small show. They're doing um. So they're running this two two nine venue uh, in London. Dead, dead easy to get to. Um, great venue. You're right near but, Great Portland Street. Yeah, right near the station there. Like I've been, I've been, I've never been to a show at the cockpit, but I've been near the cockpit, and, and you know. This is much more centrally located than that. Um, it, it's working a great class Budokan, mate, is what the cockpit is. <laughs> very true, very true. The working um, man's Budokan. <laughs> but no, I, like, I really enjoyed it as a venue. Um are actually back there next weekend. They keep doing these pop-up shows. Uh, got off with 50% off tickets, but I don't think I'll be there. But I, I should be there at, uh, at your hall coming up. And no, it was fun to go see like a, a lesser Rev Pro show. Obviously, they had the, the Sheffield... Um, shows this weekend as well, which I imagine Martin will be talking about on uh, on BWE later this week. But yeah, all in all, I had a good time. Um, naturally, uh, Big Guns Joe turned up, because of course he did, um, in a surprise <laughs> appearance <laughs> out there second. It's not squashed by this. I feel bad, because like, he, he's, a, he's a nice lad, he's a hard-working lad, you know, he's got a, he's got a good gimmick. He just turned up everywhere at every show, didn't he? Probably because we were we were in part JP picking him up on this podcast as well. So, you know, we do like Big Guns Joe. Hopefully we're our sarcasm has cost any bookings, or even if we all did kind of no. I rolled a little bit and then when I when I nip disappeared to the toilet during this match, I did feel like the eyes of the world were watching me, like, Oh, you hate that man. I don't he's a he's a nice he's a nice kid, and you know. Took our tickets at Manchester. Very polite, hardworking, willing to get around. That's why he gets these bookings. But yeah, he was on the uh, the undercard. Uh, there was a tag match with Brendan White and Doug Williams um, that were against um, Kenneth Harpenny and Sean Jackson. Um, who were doing like uh, the crowd were calling them Varsity Blands, um, as we saw from that uh, that Manchester show. That's kind of uh, what work. they're doing. But yeah, Brendan White looked all right. Doug, I did. I lied to Doug Williams when I saw him later on at the uh, the Hookdown event and said enjoyed your match today, mate. Um, in typical wrestler fashion, and just shook his hand. I mean, I suppose I enjoyed it. It was all right. It was a match with some contenders, with some ex-contenders in it, and uh, and Doug Williams in there. But I guess we're uh, we're getting to see more of him in twenty twenty one Brit Red. So you'll you'll always, uh, I suppose, take that. Um, it got better with uh, the Legion, Chris Ridgeway and uh, and Mark Haskins as a as a team in there against uh, Lee Hunter and Robbie X. Um, Robbie X and Lee Hunter is a weird like thrown together team. They've been been doing with the uh, the other Hunter brother being out through injury and Dima Omar presumably at Butlins, um, but that was a, a fun little match. Ridgeway and, and Haskins are a, are a good little team. I think you'd struggle to think of interesting new things to do with Mark Haskins in, in 2021 in general, so throwing him in a tag team with Chris Ridgeway is not the, the worst use of him, and mm. yeah, you know they, they definitely show the signs of, of being a good team, both fair and, uh, and when I've seen them before. It was kind of the Gideon Gray show. He's the, their manager, and he was all over the show um, Doing angles, trying to recruit uh, Yuta Suji later in the night as well. He's a he's a good laugh um, to out, have out there at ringside. Uh, first half of the show is main evented by Ricky Knight Jr. and Kyle Fletcher. Again, I've, I've, you know we've asked uh, a lot about Ricky Knight Jr., but having seen him now a couple of times, you know, live up in person, like there's no doubt why Red Pro went with him. Like there's a reason, you know, in this. Brit Rez scene that we're looking at right now where there aren't a lot of huge possibilities of, of the next big star. You know, they've gone heavy with him, but it's a good decision. Like, he does look, you know, a much better... Kyle Fletcher after the match, they had a, you know, a very good, like, maybe three and a half star, you know, first half uh, main event type match. You know, good through near falls in there. Kyle himself looked great. You know, you forget about him as being a, a very good singles wrestler himself with him mm. working the tag matches so often, but he literally got on the mic after the match and said as much that, you know, it had been 
you know, 18 months since he'd worked for Ricky Knight Jr. or so, and, you know, it felt like working a different wrestler. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing Ricky Knight Jr. not only get the mega push in Rev Pro, but step into that role with, like, he comes out with a confidence and a poise, and he's kind of this heel, but he's kind of cheered a little bit because he's feuding with Osprey. He somehow makes that work. Um, he does come across as, like, a, a big star. I haven't seen him in your hall yet, so we'll see, you know, how he does in the uh, in the very big Rev Pro room. But, like, yeah, seeing him a, a second time now in it, in recent history, definitely uh, filled me with some confidence for that. Um, like I mentioned before, Dan Maloney and, uh, and Yota Suji, um, Adam Acho Suji, I saw uh, a couple of uh, hours before the show, uh, heading into it, two noodles. He looked uh, the happiest to saw him all day. Um, I bet you that's, a, that's an oasis in a desert in this country when you're uh, you're trying to find food as a, as a poor uh, Japanese lad being a uh, think he was in Portsmouth. Do you think he was depressed because he didn't see Andy and Jeff there? <laughs> Maybe. Singing Yota, Yota Suji. Oh, <laughs> yes, sir, I can boogie. Oh, it travelled, okay. it travelled, so, you know, it's still... Uh, it's still. Does he like he, it? He does. You know what? He looked happier there than he did when I saw him going to a, to a two-noodle, so I'll, uh, I'll give him that. Um, but, yeah, it, it was, and it, you know, Dan Maloney yeah, is all right. I mean... I mean, I'm not. I was going to tweet this, but I'm like, I'm in the same room as I'm so going to say it. I can't remember seeing a Dan Maloney match. I wasn't slightly disappointed by. <laughs> like he's just, he's very. There's obviously something there, isn't there? But like, it's just like at least he was at the bar in his trunks, so I wasn't going to. I was going to tweet it while I was there. So like, no one tell Dan Maloney what? I said this, but he's got something definitely. I've just never seen it. And I know people rave about the Osprey match. We work fucking with Osprey, yeah, but... so, you know, calm down. Um, but, yeah, it was. this is the match Otisuji should be working in Rev Pro. You want to see him against a big lad like Dan Maloney. But it was all right. You know, three stars, maybe. Um, I don't know. Not, uh, I'm just not there yet with Dan Maloney. But the, uh, the, 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 the segments after the match, like I mentioned, with, uh, with Gideon Dre trying to uh, recruit uh, Yota Suji. Uh, he's done it a few times on the, on the, on the recent local shows. Was uh, was good value. And like you mentioned, the, uh, the champ was good value as well. Uh, Giselle Shaw and High End beat Nightshade and Sky Smithson. Decent tag. Repro's women's division needs TLC, but you know, Giselle Shaw is a you know somebody you can you can kind of rely on. Nightshade, I think she did a lot of PCW, didn't she? Um, mm. I'm sure I'm sure I saw her on those yeah, shows. Yeah. Interesting to see her so I'm spreading um, down south, but yeah, it was a lot right. lamp lampshade as the Ogdens used to chant at it. Is she the one who sort of dress up like sort of like poison ivy from maybe she's dressed more like Bam Bam Bigelow here. She's um you know, got, Shaved got the red and got tattoos on it. That's brave. <laughs> no, it just flames on the gear because she's got red hair. Like that's uh, oh, okay. <laughs> that's all she was going for. But it was fine. You know, two star match to be honest. Um, but yeah, the main event itself, though, the main reason I wanted to mention the show was fantastic. Another great match with uh, Destination Everywhere and the uh, Young Guns. Young Guns. You know, we said it on the on the Manchester show. I was very confused by like their heel presentation on the way out. It felt like. Just a waste of time, really, considering how much you know that Manchester crowd were going to want to cheer them regardless. But tell you what, seeing them here, like as fully fledged heels, which I'm sure you've seen in the past, Gareth, like they were, they were great. They were just little shits, you know, just getting little kicks in here and there, you know, double teaming and dominating and causing mayhem on the outsides, you know, throwing you know Connor Mills through rows of chairs and just kicking the heads off the two of them. There was a prolonged heat segment on Michael Oko, which was just absolutely fantastic with Young Guns getting quick tags coming in. You know, one of them would batter them and, you know, do something a little bit heelish, tag the other one. Then he'd come in and batter him. 
and it was just great. And you know, it reminded me how good Michael Oku is as a baby face as well. He was superb as a baby face fighting from underneath. Loads of great near falls in there. Even I bought that maybe young guns were were gonna win the uh, the tag belts here. And yeah, definitely a match that uh, you know if you if you're watching the the Rev Pro, you've got the on demand. I'm not telling you to go out and buy it, but if you've got it, you know, I'm not highly recommending anything else from this show. But this is one where you know could probably say is a three point seven five star, you know match that if you've got the on-demand watch it um because you know young ones are the killing it in red pro right now they are you know red pro's mm. best you sign into this year um they work so much better here than they do in progress um and yeah it was great to see them in a main event and it was great to see that they uh, the company seems to have a, a lot of confidence behind them right now i can absolutely see them winning those tag belts sometime soon well, I mean, that match that we saw in Manchester was obviously really good, wasn't it? You know, where they took yeah. on Aussie Open there. And like I did that top 10 matches of from the Grapple app from across July and August. And like that was the ninth best match in the world across across July and August, which, you know, it's uh, it's pretty mad that, you know, you've got the young guns so quick into their career. Okay, they were in there with the, with Aussie Open, but, you know, performing on that on, on that level that they're making, you know, making top tens in the middle of in the middle of summer, you know, I, I think mm. it shows uh, what, what what we've got and where we are looking for some hope on the British scene. And we are looking for the, you know, the people who genuinely can, you know, step up and take things to the next level. Those those two lads have certainly got it. And it's it's just good to see them just getting these opportunities all over the place. And RevPro seems like a perfect fit for them really doesn't it i think ref pro are the only ones who are kind of attempting to at least to be honest the progress doesn't feel relevant shows coming out every week empty crowds is the main event involving chris ridgeway versus Karen warren and iron man match mm. who wants to watch that like at least here it feels kind of relevant and i think you know andy was saying some good things about the sheffield show as well and and there was some good matches on that and I think like we said before, you just need to have that one match. And if you've got that one match that's a regular on every single show that you're doing and you're going, this is a good match, this is a good match, it, I think that's where it kind of adds up and that's where you get your bit of buzz because you know at least you're getting that. Then the other stuff on the undercard will get better. So, it, And they're the ones who do more interesting with the possible available opportunities. And then what you hope is you get your, I don't know, maybe if they get your mate Anthony a go-go in, Benno, that would be the... Uh, <laughs> In an RKJ at your hall, trading promos, money in that. Strap him up. Some, someone should, should suggest it to him. I just say that, you know, I think that that'd be a good thing for somebody definitely to sit down with Anthony Agogo and explain uh, and, and explain a bit of that. I think that'd be a really good thing to do. Anyway, I digress. But like, it, it, you know, in, in a kind of barren landscape, you, you kind of take what we have and I think they're delivering as much as anyone can kind of reasonably expect. And they're doing stuff that's more interesting. I, I just think with this Young Guns destination everywhere thing, if you can do this, you know, one team's heels in the north and faces in the south, you know how I feel about regional heat. It needs to be used a lot more. And I want to see it. And here's a perfectly good opportunity, you know, seeing dirty northern bastards, soft southern pricks, you know, it's it, the whole thing writes itself, isn't it? Money in it, mate. Money in it. Yeah, it's always money in it. He's coming down to your hall, then. We're all going to be there in two weeks. I'm not. not I, I, I am, because I already had the tickets from before. When it got postponed several times, I just never oh, took right. the money from it. So I always, yeah, yeah. So it feels like for me a little bit of a freebie. In fact, I booked a train ticket today because it was like £5.40. I was like, I get in, winning all round here. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I don't have 
the biggest set of expectations. Like, I'm not expecting it to be what four, five hundred, maybe. I'm, if I'm going to put sort of like the crowd stuff on, I'll be intrigued to see what the crowd is. But I'm looking forward to it. And sometimes I like it when York Hall's not absolutely fucking heaving and he can stand up kind of comfortably at the back and the bouncers realize they don't need to be pricks for the night. You know, so I, can't, I can't be asked stressing over the last train home. Yeah, that yeah. is an issue. What time is it meant to end at? Do we know? Nine, probably. Oh, well, fuck that. That's out the window, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, that is an issue. Let's hope they get the, get that, that right this time. Um, but yeah, mm. totally. Um, but yeah, that's Rev Pro. Uh, anything you guys want to mention briefly before we go? We kind of already did in the pre-show. That's the kind of weird thing. We did uh, some thoughts on GCW and, and Gareth watched AAW and gave it an absolutely banging review. So I'm looking forward to, to watching a bit of that. It's a good it's a good bit of stuff out there mm. at the moment. Stuff that's much more worth your time than New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I'm shocked that I would say that I enjoyed GCW more than that. And yeah, that was a I, death match war games. Yeah, I chose to watch that AAW Destination Chicago show over watching that second New Japan day, and I'm glad I did. Just uh, give, give it a watch, people. A couple of bangers on there. Uh, David Richards and Daniel Garcia. Yeah, absolute uh, banger. Josh Alexander and Fred Yehi, absolute banger. Give it a watch. There you go. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I think that pretty much um, brings us to a, an end of the the show. Um, just on three hours, so I haven't done too badly hey. with, uh, with this one. We knew it was going to be a, a mammoth one. Um, yeah, anything, with that in mind, anything to plug? Anything you want to mention, JP? I suppose I would always say go to the, the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash grapple. Uh, updates will be back on. Um, I think we've got a, a five to one that's, that's mm-hmm. coming up. Am I, am I, am I right in that? Um, also as well, if you haven't listened and you've been loving this CM Punk talk, we did the summer of punk, the, the ring of honor one, um, from 2005. So I would like highly recommend listening to that and some of the other content we've got up on there at the moment. And I'll be recording a, a new show this week, uh, Versus, which will be me talking to uh, different podcasters um, in the uh, in the wrestling and non-wrestling world. Won't always be uh, be wrestling people, but my uh, very first guest for this month is is one. Lawrence Fox. Oh. What's that? I said Lawrence Fox. <laughs> one day, mate. Episode two. Got yes. to go big with episode one. Uh, WH is better. <laughs> so yeah, if you if you didn't hear the uh, the pre-show today and you you wanting a bit more uh, GCW chat, that's going to be your place. Me and uh, me and WH going back and forth on Ricky Shane Page. Uh, quite excited to uh, record that with him. I'm sure we'll talk some Fast and Furious. I'm sure he'll call me a coward. It's uh, it's 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 the it's the perfect first guest as well. I'll say for the, uh, the yeah. concept I'm working on here. So that'll be available first for patrons, but there will be a, a free version of it out at some point as well. Yeah, and I'd just like to just say big thanks to everybody who used the uh, code, um, the uh, subscription um, affiliate link for the All Out show that was on the Grapple website. Massively appreciated everybody who used that link instead of just going direct to Fight. So, yeah, cheers for that. Nice to get that little kickback from Fight whenever that lands. Might pay for a hotel for you again in the future, JP. Um, There we go. If you're not using the app, get on there and download it. Brilliant. There we go. And yeah, uh, we'll be back next week. Bit of more of a, a regular schedule. I think it, I think it's a quiet weekend this weekend. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll do a bit of a catch up. I'm sure there'll be uh, plenty to watch in the rest of the world. But yeah, until then, 
we'll see you all next week. Bye. See ya. See ya. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.